Bill Handel here. It is a Saturday, and uh, following this show at 11 o'clock, it's Leo Laporte, the tech guy. That's 11 to 2, both today and tomorrow. We have two shows here on KFI that go for two days. Mo Kelly, uh, 6 to 8, Saturday and Sunday. And the rest of it, uh, you can look up. Uh, I don't feel like going to it, because I do that way too often. And if you don't know it by now, I don't know what to say. Look it up. This is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice, where I tell you you have absolutely no case. Now, do you remember the eclipse? Of course you remember the eclipse. And there was huge news about the eclipse. Totality went across the United States from the northwest all the way to the southeast, and millions of people were there. Now, the only way you can see an eclipse and actually look at it happening, of course, is with eclipse glasses. Those ultra-dark glasses uh, as you see the moon go into uh, across the sun. Now, during totality, when the sun is completely covered up, you can look without glasses. But that was only a couple of minutes. And so if you were going to look at the moon actually moving, uh, you had to have these eclipse glasses. Well, what happened on Amazon was uh, that they were selling, and this is third-party sales, uh, they were selling uh, these glasses that, in fact, did not meet the standards, did not meet uh, national standards. And there's some damage that can be done. And people were warned again and again to make sure the glasses are, in fact, appropriate. Be very careful. I think there's uh, some kind of logo, like a, a UL logo, where it meets certain standards. I think those glasses to be used, I didn't hear of any fraudulent glasses that had that uh, label on it. Maybe there were. In any case, uh, Amazon uh, emailed to everybody, immediately had a recall, emailed to everybody, send your glasses to us. Don't even return them. Just send them in and we'll credit you 100%. And I didn't go to the eclipse. I had nothing to do with the eclipse. And I was inundated with news about this recall. And the warnings, don't use these. Whatever you do, do not use these uh, these glasses. Refund, bring them back to us or send them back to us. We'll pay for all of it. So there is a lawsuit now filed in federal court in South Carolina, of course. Uh, Corey Payne and his fiancee, Kayla Harris, said they purchased a three-pack of Eclipse glasses on Amazon and assumed that the glasses would allow them to safely view the Eclipse, Right. Well, uh, they did, and later that day, they both began to experience headaches and eye-watering and then developed vision impairment, blurred, distorted vision, according to their lawsuit. And they said they didn't receive notice of the recall. Well, this is an easy fix, because all Amazon has to do, they have, uh, the data is there. If anybody bought those glasses, and I'm just guessing now, but knowing how Amazon works, Not only did you get one, but you probably got another one. And I'll bet you there was uh, some kind of an algorithm, or maybe it's already there, where if you didn't send it in, they would contact you again. And what they're saying, we never got any information, and therefore we're suing. And, of course, deep pockets. Do I think it's going to go anywhere? Absolutely not, because based on what I, I see... On this, Amazon did everything reasonable. Because the other argument is, therefore, of the 5 or 8 million products that are on sale right now at Amazon, they have a duty to inspect every single one to make sure all of them meet federal standards. Really? 
no case. You have no case. Let's take some phone calls. Stephen, welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi. Hi, Hi Bill. Yes, sir. Um, I'm glad I got a hold of you. Um, I have an issue with uh, in Whittier. I have uh, three large city trees next to my property, and two of them are causing significant damage on my side. All right. These are on and city, I, and they're on city property, right, Stephen? Yes. Okay. They're along the sidewalk, which they would consider their side. They're my problem when it comes to maintenance or right. anything else. And then they're, they belong to them when it's it's time to maybe prune them or or even get rid of them. Uh, and, I, you know, I would, I'm thinking at this point, because I had somebody come out here, just gave me a lot of runaround and said I have to have a really good reason, which made no sense because it was, it, it was if you're out, if you're here and you could see what, you can actually see what, what they're doing to the property. Uh, and I wanted to know maybe if I have any legal recourse. Sure, sure. First of all, um, you have to make a, have you made a formal claim to have them a request to move the, uh, the tree or to, yeah, to just remove the trees? Have you done well, that yeah, yet? And it, well, it, it's, I mean, it starts with them coming out, and I think they just sent a messenger. Okay, that's fine. No, I get it. So you've called up. They've come out. They're not going to do jack. Now, have you made a formal demand saying these trees have to go? Have you done that yet? Um, He, I asked him who the boss man was. The top. He goes, I can write a letter. So I guess the next thing I have to do is write the. That's right. That's a formal. That's a formal demand. Okay. And they're going to and they're going to say no. Right. Because they always do. Then you have to go to the next step, and you have to appeal it. And you may or may not win that one. And then, in the end, you're probably going to have to go to court. But you may win on the appeal. Then you can go to the city council person. I mean, you don't want to hire a lawyer. You want to go to your city council person. You want to go through the appeals process. Uh, There's a lot of places you want to go before going to court. Right. So you start with the letter. And they're going to turn you down. Then you file for the appeal. And you may or may not win, probably lose. Then you go to the city council. Although what I would do is go to your council person first and say, hey, look at this. Here are the pictures. Uh, This is what the city's doing to me. I voted for you, whether you did or didn't. I voted for you. You are, I'm your constituent. I need some help here. Now, every city, every single city council person has on uh, his or her staff, a someone who deals with a constituency. Everyone, okay, okay a, uh, whatever the hell, a, a constituent aide or whatever the hell they, they call themselves. And th- this is what they do. They take complaints from the constituents and then they fix it. So that's where you want to go. All right? I'd start, yeah, with, I'd start with the city council, actually. Yeah. I mean, I, I can see where all roads lead. I mean, it's yeah, okay. been long, this has been going on a long time. I understand. Time. That's yeah. what, the, yeah, the city deals that way. Yeah, I mean, that's the way it works. All roads I mean, lead to the city uh, right. screwing you up. I get it. The, the, all right. Enough of that. All right. This is Handle on the Law. And Julie Slater in the newsroom. Julie, what's the news? Hey, it's Neil Saavedra from The Fork Report. And if you've got an old car sitting in your driveway, well, there's not a damn thing I could do for you. But if you've got food leftovers, then my show's for you. one 877 fork report one 877 fork report one 877 fork report Oh, jeez. Yeah. 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 All right. Yeah. Show off. 
Pork Report with Neil Saavedra. Today at 2, KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. To, uh, KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk. Bill Handel, this is Handel on the Law. Uh, Maureen, hello Maureen, welcome. Oh, love you, Bill. Yes, you do. What can I do for you? Hi, my mother is 93 and she's in a nursing home, but she does own some property up in Desert Hot Springs. It's a motor, mobile home on a, she does own the land that it's on. Now, her, it's on, in her name and my sister's name. Now, we did make a will on LegalZoom, and um, everything belongs will belong to my sister and I. Now, will that motorhome go into probate? Okay, hold on. Is it is title held in joint tenancy? I believe so. That's critical. Uh, actually, a mobile home is uh, it's not even a property, so it depends on... Uh, whether your sister is going to get it. So let's say it's one or the other and both. If it goes into your sister's name automatically, uh, if uh, your uh, mom just dies, your sister owns it, it doesn't go into probate. Uh, If it goes into probate, I don't know how half of it goes into probate, but the bottom line is I I don't think so. If your sister's name is on the property, then uh, on the mobile home, then you don't even worry about it. Then your sister, by the way, your sister owns it, Maureen. It's not, it's not as if you have any part of it because your name isn't anywhere near that. Oh, I know that. Yeah, so your sister, you get to talk to your sister. And yeah, I assume you're going to sell it or she's going to move in or whatever the hell is going to happen. We're going to sell it, yeah. You're going to sell it and your sister, I'm assuming, will split the money with you because you, the two of you like each other? Yes, we do. Okay, well, how much? <laughs> uh, well, what do you think that's worth, the property and uh, the mobile home itself when it sells? Um, I'm saying 80 tops. Yeah, it's, yeah, that's not enough for your sister to hate you. Yeah. Okay. No, yeah. It's, it's no yeah. Big I got it. I wouldn't screw my brother for eighty thousand dollars. Now, a hundred and eighty thousand dollars. We're already, I think, past. Uh, we're into critical mass already. All right, Marshall. Hello, Marshall. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hey, hey, Bill. Hey, about uh, eleven years ago, my mother-in-law sold her house and took a majority of the money and put it down on a down payment on a new house, which she moved in with me and my wife and her. And all three of us are on the deed, and the mortgage was in her name. But me and my wife paid the mortgage every month. Now, my mother-in-law passed away about five months ago, and our credit's not that great. We've been trying to get it fixed up. But my wife's just afraid that once we tell the bank that she's passed away and that the mortgage, you know, was in her name, that they're going to either say we have to give up the house. Oh, no, they may call, Marshall, they may call the loan. Because there's no longer anybody who has good credit to pay for it. Okay. <clears throat> However, if you keep on paying for it, they don't care. So you've got a couple of choices here. You can leave it in her name, uh, or it's well. Here's the bottom line: it's in your name, right? The property. Yes. Yeah. Who owns Who owns title? Who owns title of the house? All three of our names are on the title. Okay, so you have to look at the paperwork uh, that says, uh, you know, if one of you die, but it's probably, you know, you have to inform the bank. I think if you don't inform the bank, I mean, I'm sure you're in violation of your agreement, but I don't think they're ever going to deal with it if you keep on paying. Yeah, we've always, I mean, we've always. Yeah, then, you you know, what I would do is leave it alone. Okay. 
All right, but you're, but keep in mind, you may very well be in violation of uh, the agreement that you have with the bank. But, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, uh, what are they interested in? Calling the loan, you can't refi it, and then they own a house now as opposed to getting the money every month? Hello, Gail. Hello. Yes, ma'am. Oh, hi. Hi, Bill. Thank you so much for taking my call. Um, I, I'm a homeowner uh, over 20 years in a condo. Uh, I have a car. I have a signed parking space. Uh, um, I lived with my sister my whole life, and uh, she passed away. Her car's there, and it's inoperable. Uh, I got a. Uh, it's been uh, like that for five uh, over five and a half years. Uh, I got a notice that I have to move the car and or get tags in it, uh, or else I'll be fined. I'd like to know what recourse I have. Move the car. That's your recourse. Read the CCNRs of your condo agreement. I guarantee you it says you cannot leave an inoperable car anywhere on there. Now, if you own the parking space, if that's part of it, then your argument is going to be, wait a second, I can I can keep my dead car in that parking space. Okay. And you have to leave the CCNRs. If it's silent on that, then you say, too bad. But in the meantime, why do you want to, you know, it, it's worth something for scrap. Why don't you just call up and get it out of there? Um, it's sentimental value, Bill. Um, All right. So you, want a, so you want a dead car, sentimental value. And that's to remember your dead sister? In a way, yes, it is. I'm going to try and get the car um, fixed. I need the battery and it needs to be tagged. All right. Big deal. If it only needs a battery. What are, you, are you driving something now, Gail? Oh, yes. All right, and you, and, and you just want to keep the car. Now, do you? where do you park the car that you now have? Uh, in back of her car. Oh, and you're allowed to do that. Well, then the argument is, is this is my parking space. Why are Why are you tagging me? Let's go. Let me go back. I thought there was something in the CCNRs about you parking it, but even if there is, uh, it, it's not reasonable for you to say the car has to be operating. I mean, you are paying for uh, a condo that gives you two parking spaces. You're in tandem. And, uh, you know, where does it say that I have one has to be operating? Um, so all of a sudden, they, they changed the CC. I don't have the copy of the CCNRs. I've been there over 20 years. They they uh, changed the CC, uh, CCNRs at will. If this is just the, there's a new management company, and this is just a ploy to get, um, uh, to get fined. The first fine is $100. All right, so, is- all right, so you have, to go to, you have to go in front of the board, obviously. And I assume the board had to okay it. And if it's that difficult, I mean, Gail, if they make it that miserable for you, you can either fight it, and you may or may not win, or, you know, sell the car or put it in a storage unit or do something with it, uh, or drive it around. I mean, make it, make it, it, make it drivable. Why don't you? Well, you said, it, oh, but you said it only needs a battery and has to be tagged. I need um, I need uh, the battery. Um, I need a re- battery replaced, and I need the car tagged. That's and, what you, you just know, said. That's what you just said. So those are your two choices. You can fight it, and probably you'll win. You'll win, or you fix it and park it, or put it in storage. And uh, you know what can I tell you? I mean, they're free. that's what happens with. Uh, uh, you have a homeowner associations, and you have management companies, and they want to increase revenue, and uh, it, it's a mess. And uh, the problem is fighting it is you're fighting yourself actually. Because not only do you have to get an attorney, you have, the homeowner association is going to hire an attorney to defend. It's uh, it's a mess. It always is. This is Handle on the Law. Julie Slater in the KFI Newsroom. 
More stimulating talk starts now. KFI and iHeartRadio Station. Might have a little dirt on my boots, but this I'm is KFI AM640 for stimulating talk. Bill Handel here. Welcome back. And welcome back to Handle on the Law, Marginal Legal Advice. Uh, Stevie, hello, Stevie. Hey, okay. Uh, if you're on, yeah, if you're on a, if you're on a, uh, what do you call it, phone, speaker phone, get off. Okay. All right, I'm off. Okay. Okay. So, this is the bottom line. I, I, I'm going to discontinue my insurance uh, with Kaiser, okay? And what I wanted to find out, let's say my own insurance is just me working out, riding my bicycle, staying healthy. Is the federal government going to say when I do my taxes, are they going to impose a penalty on me? Sure. Because under Obamacare, you have to have insurance. And if you don't, uh, there is a penalty. Why would you give up your uh, health insurance, particularly Kaiser? I'm a member of Kaiser. Why would you do that, Stevie? Okay, so so really, what I'm well, the reason I'm going to do it is because <clears throat> I hate Kaiser. So go to another. So buy a PPO. Uh huh. Yeah. I mean, okay. I, I don't understand why. You know, the first step is why would you give up health insurance? Because anybody who can afford it is out of his mind not to have it. And second of all, yes, the, the, at this point, it is the law that you must either have an insurance plan or you pay a penalty. It's okay. that simple. Okay, it's that simple. And I heard the penalty is based on your income. I have no idea. Okay, you have no idea. Yeah, but I'm assuming it's uh, now it's 200 or 500, then it goes up to uh, you know 2,000. I have no idea if uh, you can have the penalty subsidized. That would be hilarious. That would be hilarious. Uh, because they do subsidize your insurance if you don't have the money, but do they subsidize the penalty if you don't have the money? That probably not. Okay. Yeah. So so um, right now though it's in legislation. No, it's so, not in legislation. There's nothing in legislation. But the Republicans are trying to appeal. Obamacare. Yeah, no, they're trying. Yeah, but they have passed a law, and there's not even been a law that's introduced right now. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So this could take this minutiae could take years. Uh, I don't know if it's going to take years, but uh, and I mean never passed. But get yourself insurance, you know, please. All right, uh, Tony. Hello, Tony. Yeah, uh, Bill. I'm a retired policeman. And I have a security-type job along with other retired policemen and still active-duty policemen. Uh, I've been there for about five years, but for the last three months, the boss has been sending other supervisors by to take our pictures. Every time a supervisor comes by, he takes our pictures. All right. And I keep asking them, why are you doing this? And they said, because that's the way the boss wants it. Now, the boss is a rich guy. He's got many different type of new cars. And I'm wondering, if I just refuse to have my picture taken anymore, I guess I probably will get fired. We don't yeah. belong to a union. Or probably, yeah. If I get fired, uh, could I go, go back on him on the basis that this is some type of harassment? It's not. He's taking a picture of you. He can take a picture of you. Every single day? Yeah. Yeah. What if he says, I want you to wear a blue shirt tomorrow and then a purple shirt the next day and then uh, a green shirt the next day? Oh, that's ridiculous. I can't do that. Yeah, he can take a picture of you all day long if he wants. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's the way it goes. So quit or refuse to have your picture taken, and then you get fired. It's not that complicated. And I don't even know what intrusion that is, having your picture taken, because you can bet you're videoed every second of uh, of the, the, every second that you're there. Uh, hey, Joanne, you're up. Welcome. Thank you, Bill. Yes, ma'am. Uh, I've had a problem with uh, having a death certificate signed. My brother passed away on the 29th of April, and it just got signed yesterday. There was absolutely no reason uh, for 
investigation of cause of death. He passed away after surgery. Do uh, he passed away from a heart attack after surgery? Okay. Did they do? Did they do an autopsy? No, they did not. Okay, got it. They released the body uh, to the uh, mortuary the day after he uh, two days after he passed away. Got it. Okay. All right. So, uh, so tell me about uh, the death certificate. It wasn't signed. No one, no, no one would find the death certificate. The doctor, uh, supposedly on duty, it's through an insurance company. It's an HMO. And the uh, doctor on call is uh, through the HMO. And she felt that she hadn't seen my brother, so she wasn't signing it. All right. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, no harm, no foul, but uh, you have to go to the hospital and say, hey, I need a death certificate signed so I can go ahead and deal with my brother, his estate. This is crazy. And well, uh, they, could, they couldn't cremate him. Well, that's the whole point. I know, without a death certificate, although it's kind of hard to look at him and see he's not dead, uh, but they, I'm assuming they need a death certificate. So is there still no death certificate? It was signed yesterday. Okay. Uh, since I started making phone calls. All right, and that's, okay, fair enough. So uh, how long was your brother on ice? How long was he parked there at the mortuary before the cremation? From the 29th. All right, hold on. Give me, how, give me the dates. Days. Give me the date. 29th of April. Okay, how many days? 19. 19 days. Uh, were you charged for storage? Uh, that's up in the air right now. Okay, if you weren't charged for storage, then uh, there's really no harm, no foul. I mean, there really is. I mean, you can argue emotional damage that he was sitting there. I wanted to cremate him, and he, I couldn't for 19 days because of uh, whatever screw-up there is. I mean, obviously they screwed up, jo- uh, Joanne. I mean, they should have signed the death certificate, and I don't know whatever the problem is. But uh, there's there's really no damage there other than it, you can argue emotional damage, but then you have to go to a shrink, and uh, the shrink is going to literally have to say, uh, here's what happened. Uh, Joanne is totally devastated by her brother sitting in the mortuary for 19 days, and her life will never be the same again. And 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 when the uh, insurance company for the hospital or the doctor tells you to go pound sand, you're in front of a jury and telling a jury how screwed up your life is because your brother was parked at a mortuary for 19 days. But I thought there was a law that it had to be signed with then either. I have no idea. And if that's true, okay, even if there is a law, that doesn't mean that you have a case and you have the doctor who should have signed it and maybe there's some kind of a sanction against him. But even if there is a law, that doesn't affect you except for your potential injury. And then we go back to how have you been injured? I see. Yeah, your brother has been sitting there. I'm assuming he was in a refrigerator or something, right, Joanne? Let's hope so. Oh, is he? St- he's still there. No, he's uh, he's at the mortuary, so I'm sure that he's in a. I mean, have there you have? I mean, have you gone to visit in the last 19 days? Uh, I've been to the uh, mortuary, but I haven't seen him now. Okay, so you. Have, uh, I'm assuming they put him in the refrigerator. I'm I'm sure that they have. Yeah. Okay. All right, Joe. Anyway, I mean, a messy situation. No, it is. Are. It is. No, I get it. it is, but uh, in the end, there's no uh, there's no harm, no foul. Now, here's the question. I have, because whenever, for example, uh, you put food in the microwave and you ha- and when it's cold, you have to add uh, a minute or two to bring it back to temperature. I wonder what happens at the crematorium when they take someone right out of the refrigerator. Do they have to uh, 
put the flame on either a little higher or for a longer period of time? Hmm. Let me think that one through. This is Handle on the Law. In a time of great uncertainty, now more than ever, you can use a little hope. I'll help you find it on this week's Jesus Christ Show. The Jesus Christ Show. Tomorrow morning at 6 on KFI. AM 640. More stimulating talk. KFI AM 640. Bill Handel. Saturday morning. This is Handle on the Law. Hello, Pam. Yes. Yes, ma'am. What can I do for you? Um, yes, I was a part- had a partnership with a business that uh, we had for nine years. We closed it down two years ago. And uh, we, I had originally filed bankruptcy, personal bankruptcy, a few years before, so I was unable to file on the business. But my partner filed bankruptcy on the business and herself. Can they still come back after me? Uh, well, what kind of bi- first of all, let's talk about the business. Was it a, an LLC or a corporation? No, it was just a partnership. Uh, and yes, they can come after you uh, as uh, one of the partners. And since you've already filed for bankruptcy, you can't. You cannot go bankrupt on it. Has it been, uh, I think, what, seven years since you filed for bankruptcy? Uh, no, it, it hasn't quite been seven years. All right. Well, yet. theoretically, they could go. But once that seven years is over, you can refile. I mean, you're never going to have uh, any credit again, Pam. That's a given. But you can uh, refile, and you can refile at any time. So oh, it doesn't okay. matter if they're suing you. It doesn't matter if they have a judgment. It doesn't matter any pro- anywhere in the process uh, the legal process, uh, you can stop it cold. Once you file for personal bankruptcy, it's over for anything that uh, you would be responsible for. What kind of business, by the way, are we talking about, Pam? Um, it was uh, it was like a UPS-type P.O. boxes, Western Union, that type of thing. Hmm. And why did it go under? Not enough, There weren't enough too customers? Many, uh, or... Too many robberies. I got robbed too many times, and my insurance cut me off, and uh, I had to close it down after nine years. You got robbed. What kind of neighborhood were you in that was so crazy? It was terrible, Moreno Valley. Uh, wow. Yeah, it got, it got really bad after nine years, so we just had to shut it down. But I was under the impression that since my, my partner filed on the business, that that would have taken care of it. No, because you have a partnership, and uh, what happens is, uh, you know, I don't even know if a partnership can file bankruptcy because everybody's in, you're individually responsible for it. Right. So effectively, it's uh, it's the two of you. And I don't even think it's a business. It's a straight partnership where you're just personally liable. Why wouldn't right. you do? Why wouldn't you do an LLC or a corporation? I don't know. Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. <laughs> oh, she said it. You know, I'm a dumbass, so I didn't have to say it. Although I'm going to repeat it. Dorsey. Hi, Dorsey. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes, but a long time ago, me and my girlfriend and her mother, we bought a house, and, I, and we all signed, and this has been a, a, a way past the statute of limitations. And well, when, and I was going to wait till my daughter turned 18, because we had broke up, and I was going to wait till she turned 18. I was going to go down and uh, make them sell the house. When I went down and to the courthouse, my name wasn't even on the house. So I was wondering, is there uh, any kind of way I could find out that I did sign on that house? Well, okay, it's uh, I don't quite understand that you signed on the house. When you took uh, ownership of that house, how did you get the house? No, we all went in together, three of us. We all put money down on Okay, the and then uh, I'm assuming then you all went on the loan? 
Uh, no, we didn't get a loan together. We just put money down. Oh, so you just bought you outright bought you you outright just bought a house. Everybody putting in X number of dollars. There was no mortgage on it, right? You no, know, yeah, they didn't refinance the house, and but um, I do remember signing, and I put like maybe it was on the house. They didn't refinance. I only put like maybe seven hundred dollars. You put seven hundred dollars down on the house. Yeah. How do you own a house with seven hundred dollars down? No, no, no. That was, that was just part of the down payment. How much was the entire down payment? Uh, not that I don't remember, but they didn't refinance the house. I think it was on like 29000 during that time. It was like in 75, man. All right. Uh, Dorsey, and your name is no longer on the deed? No. Yeah, well, okay. Congratulations. Uh, you'll never get your name on that deed. 1975. $700 down on a house. If you can find me a house that $700 down. He made zero cents. I mean, zero uh, hello, Owen. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Thank you. Um, it's Colin. I got a uh, property issue. Um, I bought a house a couple years ago. Um, I uncovered um, a retaining wall that was being covered by a hedge, and um, I'm pretty sure there's an easement running into it that has a drainage canal that kicks off basically my house. Half, I got a flat surface, and then I have a two-to-one slope that drops about 150 feet into a arroyo, and there's a uh, drainage canal that runs from the top of my property where I think there's an easement all the way down. Well, do you know, wait a second, do you know if there's an easement or not? I gotta, I gotta look into it, but it's weird because where the wall is and then it hits like basically where the upper edge of my property is and the fence kicks 45 degrees over towards the center of my property line. And from right there starts this concrete washout that runs all the way down the hill all right probably um, is so i mean even if it's not an easement uh you know someone it's a it's a constructive easement so uh whether it, it's it recorded been or not. there for a while yeah and so it the it's cracked you're telling me that well, the that wall or that uh culvert sort of thing is cracked well about about 20 feet back from the edge of the wall you know on the hillside uh, going back towards the house um, you could see the brick is separating where, where it's now starting to lean going down the hill. Okay. So I'd say at the top of the wall, there's about an, about an inch All right. separation. And that's on your property, right? Yeah. Okay. And you don't know uh, who owns that? I got to look into it. Yeah, you do. You have to find your uh, – uh, yeah. Colin, let me ask you, why are you calling me if you haven't looked into it? Because the first thing well, I'm going to say is you have to pull the deed and find out who has the easement. Because that's not my only issue. My main, my main, my my main issue beyond that, which is, um, there's a major roadway that runs about 400 yards away from my home, and there is an earthen bridge that they made that goes across this arroyo that my house backs up to, and when heavy trucks go across it, I can feel it shake my house. And was it there when you bought the house? Oh, yeah, that road's been there for 30, 40 years. And what would you like them to do about it, since that was there probably well, before the house was even built? Uh, maybe, but my question is, 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 is that movement on that public roadway, could that, if I can prove that that's destabilizing my hill, oh, do I have yeah. a case against the city? Uh, uh, yeah, but that's a tough one. You're going to be spending a lot of money on, uh, on engineers on this one. Right. Oh, yeah. I, when I, I recently retiled my living room. All right, no, I get it, but you're going to spend a lot of money on engineers. Well, I'm finding slab cracks. And I get it. No, I get, I get it. All right, so I've answered the question. Yes, I think you can. Have, you have a shot at it going after the city. <laughs> <coughs> <coughs> uh, 
I think we'll edit that. Don't you think so? Uh, wow. Handle here. This is Handle on the Law. KFI AM 640. Bill Handel here. Saturday morning uh, again. Saturday morning as uh, we are expecting uh, Hurricane Irma to hit uh, Florida. I think it's going to go through the Keys uh, tomorrow morning and then on to uh, the mainland of Florida. And this thing is so wide, it doesn't even matter where it's going to hit directly because it's going to hit directly. The entire state, all the way up. It's going to be Florida. You remember when land in Florida was underwater and it was Florida lots for sale? And this was, uh, what, back in the 50s, maybe? Well, you're going to be able to buy lots real cheap again. All you have to do is drain the swamps. All right. uh, 800-520-1KFI. 800-520-1534. That's the number. Top of the hour. Always the best time to call. 800-520-1534. Coming up, uh, 11 o'clock, Leo Laporte. He's on till 2. The Fork Report from 2 to 5, Neil Sabedra. Tonight, 6 to 8, Mo Kelly. Then it's Monique Marvez from 8 to 10. Then Brian Suits from uh, 10 to midnight. That is our lineup today. And again, top of the hour, best time to call. See, people complain. Ah, I tried to call you. I was on hold. You know what? I was on hold. Uh, call to top of the hour. 800-520-1534. This is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice where I tell you you have absolutely no case. All right. Uh, here in uh, Los Angeles, uh, I broadcast out of Southern California, particularly the city of Los Angeles. Uh, and I live in Los Angeles. We, uh, it's, it's kind of a neat city. I mean, the weather is tremendous, a lot of entertainment, a lot of tech, movie stars all the time. Now, there are a couple of downsides. The entire city is a parking lot as you move from place to place. For example, I live maybe 20, 25 minutes uh, from LAX. It has taken me an hour many times to go to LAX. So we have parking. Uh, we have uh, a little bit of an issue of illegal aliens who are soon not to be illegal. Uh, none of them. And we have potholes. Oh, my goodness, do we have potholes. We are the pothole capital of the world. Maybe, maybe a couple of towns in Somalia are worse, but I don't think so. And so uh, what happens with potholes? Well, uh, people, well, first of all, it's your suspension that goes to hell in a handbasket several times. But uh, there could be real damage and real injury. Two years ago, uh, there was a man by the name of Peter Godfrey who lost control of his bicycle. That's the other thing. People ride bikes like crazy around here. Uh, It hit a pothole uh, literally five miles from here. Threw him to the ground. Broken bones. Severe traumatic brain injury. So, of course, he sues the city. And he argues that uh, the street was so poorly maintained, it concealed a, a concealed trap for bicyclists. 
I would argue that. Well, the uh, city didn't want to take this one to trial. $6.5 million settlement. Uh, In the spring, $4.5 million settlement for uh, the family of Edgardo Cabot, 56-year-old, thrown from his bicycle and killed after hitting an uneven payment. Uh, That's... LA approved about $15 million in settlements or judgment payments for bicycle accidents during the last budget year, and it's going to get worse. So the amount of money that is put aside for settlements just keeps on increasing, and the settlements get bigger. So for those of you that are homeless, for those of you that need a job, for those of you that are destitute, come to Los Angeles Get a bicycle and just start riding the streets. All right, uh, let's go ahead and take some uh, phone calls. Uh, Mike, hello, Mike. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Uh, hello there. Yes, um, sir. Um, last night, my uh, windshield of my truck was allegedly broken by one of my coworkers. All right, was allegedly broken by a coworker, or it was broken allegedly by a coworker? Uh, it was broken. Aha, uh-huh. okay, so there's nothing alleged alleged about the break. No, no, Okay, it's good. All right, just wanted and to I make... I made a police report on it, and, uh, because I didn't know if it was vandalism or an accident by a co-worker. Well, it's turning out that it might be, uh, an accident by a co-worker. He, uh, uh, long story short, he threw a mop out the front door of the restaurant, and the mop hit my door. Okay. It hit my window, and it's all, and he wasn't admitting to it until he realized that it was right in front of a security camera and a, a perfect view of my car in, in front of a security camera. And a Got it. What's your, officer. All right, anyway, Mike, what's your, what's your question? Well, I want to know, uh, well, I know that get, trying to get money out of my, out of the employee may not be next to impossible. Right. Uh, I want to know if my employer could be po- uh, responsible for it. Uh, yeah, of course he could because he keeps mops. Uh, that's always a problem for any uh, establishment to keep a mop or try to clean the place up. Uh, Occasionally, the door is open when uh, someone opens uh, the front door and walks through because that's negligent. Uh, A front door should never be open under any circumstances. Why don't you tell me what the employer did wrong? Okay, well, the the reason why the doors were open... Is there was the bathroom flooded over, mm-hmm. and so they propped the doors open. Yeah, to uh, to, to push the water out the door. right, and they shouldn't have because that's negligent. Because they should keep water in the restaurant, let it evaporate. Oh, yeah. Don't you think? No. Um, Where do you got to go? You're, and by the way, well, there's nothing there. Obviously, there's nothing there. Uh, it's you just want money from someone. I want somebody to fix my yeah, window. Well, you're, and I tell you who's going to do it. You. Well, how about uh, okay the. If, what happens if it would have been a customer's car other than me? I'm an employee. Then the, it doesn't matter. Then the customer could have sued. And uh, it, probably at that point, the store would have kicked in. But that's a customer. It's a very different animal. Legally, I think uh, the uh, employer uh, would still be off the hook, I think. But certainly just because a, a co-employee did this, co-worker did this. I don't, I'm, I'm I don't saying th- negligence. Of course it was employee. negligence. Where's the negligence of the store? Uh, the, the employee. That's not the negligence of the store. That's a negligence of the employee. And it is neg- where it's cut off. L- let's say the employee went berserk, right? Uh, walked in, pulled out a gun, and shot you. 
Okay, showed up, and it became a, a postal shooting, which they don't use anymore. Uh, that phrase, because not enough postal people kill anybody. Uh, this, you know what? We have to sue the post office, or we have to sue the employer, because you're responsible. You employer responsible for everything that happens. Wrong. No case. Yeah, it's it, 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 this is what happens. It's always let's go to the deep pocket, uh, and uh, it's it's tough. It really is. All right, Gilda. Hello, Gilda. Bill. Yes. Good morning. Yes, ma'am. Isn't there a law that says apartment owners are supposed to have parking for the tenant? I think there is a code that when the apartment is built, there has to be parking. And uh, that space has probably increased the last few years. But when you moved in, was there parking? No, I don't okay. live in an apartment, Bill. I live in Gardena. There, I live in my own house, but I can't park in front of my house. Well, your house. What does that have to do with apartments then? Because there's a bunch of apartments around here, and the owner won't find parking for their tenants. Where is the owner supposed to find parking, Gilda? In the, under his building. Under his building. Is there um, a parking? Is there parking under his building? Yes. There is, and yes. uh, so he and has supplied. So Gilda, he has su- so Gilda, he has supplied parking. No, they park on the street. They don't park in the. So what does he do? Uh, he says you can't park in a public park. You can't park on a public street, and you have to park in our park uh, in the garage or in That's the carport. What he tell them. Really, and what happens if they don't? Does he have them arrested? What What do you think he should do? They shouldn't inconvenience. They shouldn't. That's correct. Because they're rude. That's correct. If they have parking. They are rude. How is Gilda? What are you going to do? Can you sue them for parking in a public place? No. Right. Can the the land? What what else can you do, you think? (laughs) You don't know, Bill. You don't want to know. Of course I want to know. What do you think the landlord should do? Mm. Just come up with something. Bill, I can't tell you. Yeah, I can tell you. There is nothing. There is things. There's something you can do. No. Nice talking to you. This is Handle on the Law. Okay, Julie Slater in the newsroom. What's going on, Julie? Hey, it's Neil Saavedra from the Fork Report. And if you've got an old car sitting in your driveway, well, there's not a damn thing I could do for you. But if you've got food leftovers, then my show's for you. One eight seven seven fork report. One eight seven seven fork report. One eight seven seven fork report. Oh jeez. Uh, yeah. 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 All right. Show off. The fork report with Neil Savedra today at two. KFI AM six forty. More stimulating talk. KFI AM uh, 640. Bill Handel here. It is a uh, Saturday morning. We continue to watch Hurricane Irma that tomorrow morning is going to uh, be hitting Florida, first the Keys, and uh, then uh, going straight up uh, the state. Wow. That's going to be a big one. Of course, uh, come Monday, we're going to be covering this uh, like crazy. And I'm hoping, uh, well, hope against hope. That is not going well. Now, I don't even say that. It's ridiculous. Hope against hope that it's not going to cause too much devastation. Who are we kidding, right? 
hope against hope, I can fly. I get to fly home using my arms as wings. Uh, it's probably not going to happen. Back we go to more phone calls on Handle on the Law. Jack! Hello, Jack. You're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Thanks. Um, a couple of years ago, we went to Italy, rented a car. When we came back several months after that, I got a letter from the car rental company saying that I was speeding, and uh, I have to pay them 40-some-odd dollars. So I pay them 40-some-odd dollars. And then a few months after that, I got a letter from Italy saying I owe them 400-some-odd dollars for speeding. Mm-hmm. So I called the car rental company, and they said, no, what you paid us for was the was the amount that it cost to give them your address. <laughs> uh, the so, car rental company charged that. Is it American Car Rental Company? Yes. Yeah, I'd sue them yes. with small claims and, and court. That's crazy. To give them... For 40-some-odd dollars. That is hilarious. Although you're not going to sue them. You just got uh, – it's a company that I wouldn't use again. That's for sure. It's a major company. Uh, I love it. Uh, 40 bucks to trans uh, – just to go here. Here's the guy's name. All right. So – but wait a sec. If you got wait, if you got a speeding ticket already, didn't you give them the ID when a cop stopped you? No, no cop stopped me. Oh, so – I never knew I – Oh, so it was a radar thing. A yeah. Got it. Okay. Evidently. Okay. I got it. Okay. So I uh, I ignored it. Yes. Figuring, well, I'm here and right. there. Right, right. Well, I, I just got a letter recently from a collection agency, and it went up from 400 and some odd to 779. Yep. Now I want to know, what uh, is the worst thing that can happen to me well, if I the, ignore that? Well, the worst thing is uh, that an employee of uh, the traffic division in uh, Italy uh, has... Uh, relatives out here named Guido that like to play baseball. That's one of the things that might happen. Uh, although I doubt that. You know what? I, what I would do, I'd ignore it and just don't go to Italy. That's it. You're done going to Italy because you're certainly on their database. Uh, but they're they're not going to come here and do anything. And I don't think there is any reciprocity. I doubt there is a treaty between Italy and the United States relating to traffic tickets. And what are they going to do? Pick you up, arrest you, and extradite you to Italy? So that, this is this is one of the most satisfying calls I've had. Okay, got it. And when you do get arrested, and they extradite you to Italy. Uh, I, I got a couple of cities you really want to go to that are absolutely lovely. Florence, you definitely don't want to miss. Milan, eh. Uh, Rome, really good. Uh, the Tuscany area, fantastic. Siena is good. You arrange where you're going to go to jail. Okay, fair enough. Oh, uh, let me tell you about what happened during the week. Oh, this was crazy. Uh, and I reported this uh, a couple of days ago, and that is uh, a breach of 143 million Americans' information was picked up. One of the major credit reporting companies, and there's three of them, uh, told us, released the information that the cockroaches actually got in and breached their information or your information, social security numbers, phone numbers, uh, addresses, uh, full names. Can you imagine? 143 million, which is basically everybody. I called. Yeah, I'm, I'm breached. But I'm feeling pretty good because LifeLock protects me. If there's an issue, someone tries to either establish credit in my name or open a credit account, uh, I've got LifeLock there to protect me. And if it does happen that my uh, identity is compromised, then LifeLock comes in and tries to fix the problem. Actually, does a great job. 
That's the issue with LifeLock. So no one can prevent all identity theft or monitor every transaction, every business. Boy, am I thrilled, though. I have LifeLock. Uh, it helps you secure, uh, see more threats to your family. So go to LifeLock.com. Use the promo code HANDLE for 10% off your LifeLock membership. That's LifeLock.com, promo code HANDLE, or call 800-LIFELOCK and just say HANDLE. 10% off. 800-LIFELOCK, say HANDLE. This is Handle on the Law, and there's Julie Slater in the newsroom. Here at KFI, we're all about letting you listen to whatever you want to hear. That's why whenever the Chargers play each week, you'll still be able to catch your favorite KFI shows on the iHeartRadio app. One, Chargers. Listen to KFI on your radio or the Chargers app. One, KFI. Listen to iHeartRadio because this is America, buddy. You deserve it. You just do you. Boo. KFI AM 640. An iHeartRadio station. What if I was made for you? KFI, AM640, Bill Handel on a uh, Saturday morning. More, oh, give me, let me give you a number. We actually have a few, uh, a couple of lines open. 800-520-1KFI, 800-520-1534. Sometimes we're jammed the whole hour, and sometimes uh, it opens up, depending how idiotic the phone calls are. And um, Sam, our, the, um, our screener, uh, says, nah, that's too idiotic. Now, can you imagine when I scream they're idiotic? Can you imagine Sam getting involved beforehand? Yeah, I have to do a show on the ones that Sam gets. That would actually be a whole lot better. All right, Charlie. Uh, oh, welcome back to Handle on the Law. All right, Charlie, you're up. Hello, Charlie. Yeah. Hello, Bill. Yeah. Uh, I have a, ten, uh, a landlord who's very slow to do uh, repairs around my home. Two instances, I rent a second floor of a home. I've had a step leading up to my door that's been broken for 11 months now. That is a hazard and an eyesore. And I have a porch that he has completely dismantled to rebuild himself that's been going on for about six weeks now with Mm. no end in sight. Yeah. All right. So you want to know what you can do about it. First of all, the well, let's let's talk about... uh, is this your entry? Is this what you use almost every day? And is this the only way you can get in in that part of the house, for example? Correct. The steps are the only way up. Oh, the only way up and the step is broken. Correct. Oh, yeah. That's totally a habitability and a safety issue. You can stop paying the rent right now. Uh, you have a couple of choices and force the issue. If you want to stay there, uh, you demand that it happen and tell them, listen, uh, this is unsustainable. We just can't do this. Uh, this is a habitability issue. It's a legal issue. This is the email you're writing him. Okay. Uh, and uh, I, and you say, if this is not repaired within 10 days, for example, I'm going to have to repair it myself and deduct the rent. Okay. And, and simply deduct it. Now, depending on whether a jerk he is, what kind of a jerk, he may then issue a, a three-day notice to pay rent or quit. And at that point, you stop paying rent. He sues to evict. You're going to win that case. Okay. I mean, it's a dead-bang winner. But then you've defended a lawsuit, and he's lost. Right. Uh, and you still get to live there. See, that's the problem. That's always the problem. Landlords, uh, yeah. landlords are holding all the cards because they're holding all the house. So uh, that's more of a choice you have to make and negotiate with him and say, come on, guy. I, what I would do first is say, come on, really? You know, God forbid. I've given, Here it is. I've given you all these warnings. And if someone gets hurt, 
I don't even know if your insurance company is going to pay. I think that's the way so I would. Would I, would, would I be liable to all in that situation as, as a tenant who knows that this is the Yeah, you might be. Yeah, you might be. Uh, but in the end, it's going to be the landlord uh, who is going to end up paying because I think you'll be able to cross-complain against the landlord. Uh, but uh, because you have a duty, too, and especially if it's uh, fixing the stair is not a big deal uh, in terms right. of the money. What about the porch? He wants to do this on his own time. He's not a licensed contractor. Well, what I again, what I what I would say, and I the way to play it, I wouldn't take it illegal. You're doing him a favor, saying, "Hey, I want to make sure you don't get sued if someone is hurt." Right. And you have to finish this up, and say if someone comes over to my house, don't even say if you get hurt. Just say if someone comes over, man, you've bought yourself a lawsuit. Right. And I'm trying to help you out. Yeah, see how that works? I guess there's some truth to that. Of course, if you get hurt, uh, you're going to sue him for several million dollars and hopefully collect. Javier. Hello, Javier. Welcome. Hi, um, I'm calling. My grandma left my mom and her eight siblings a house when she passed away Mm. a few years ago. How much was it? How much was it worth? I'm not exactly sure. I know they each got about $15,000 okay. or 30-something thousand dollars. All right. Just cu- I'm just curious. And that has nothing to do with anything, by the way. Yeah. Well, my mom passed away also, but two of my aunts bought the house together from the rest of the siblings. Fair enough. Uh, they had a verbal agreement that for 10 years they were going to keep it together while one of my aunts was able to get the credit and be able to afford it on her own. This has been about two years, but now one of my aunts wants her part or wants them to sell. Yeah. My uh, my other aunt wants to keep the verbal agreement till she's able to afford it. Right. What can they do to her? Can they force okay. her to sell? All right. Let's start with uh, the question is, why do you care? The, the, the This issue is between your aunts. Oh, just... Uh, oh, you're just curious. Oh, you're just curious. Yeah, well, my aunt was asking me about it, and I know about. Your why didn't show your Why didn't your aunt Why didn't your aunt call? Because she doesn't get up early enough to listen to you on Saturdays. God, you have no idea how desperately I want to hang up on you. Uh, but I'm it's sorry, but it, now that oh, not but based on what your aunt is doing. Javier, make the phone call for me. By the way, does she, do you also clean her house when she calls up? It says, "Come on over here, Javier. I need my cleaning done." Probably not. Uh, no, but I do help her around the house. Oh, that's very that's sweet. Cool. How old is she? Uh, almost in her 50s. Yeah, all right. And you help her around the house. Boy, I wouldn't help my aunt around the house. Okay, so uh, let's now get to uh, the legal answer. And that is, uh, first of all, verbal agreements don't exist when it comes to real estate. None. Correct. Just doesn't exist. So there is no verbal agreement between the two. And the answer to your ultimate question is yes. One of the ants can force the sale. You cannot keep people uh, owning homes against their will. So they're, uh, she wants to sell it. It's going to be sold. Okay. Yeah, all right. There it is. You got to tell your aunt and said, uh, you know, the guy that is usually wrong. Actually, he wasn't wrong this time. Hello, Al. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hello. Yes, sir. Um, I rent an apartment, and the air conditioning uh, comes in from the ceiling through a vent. Well, well over a year ago, 
water started coming into the apartment. The maintenance, the maintenance department had several people look at it, and they didn't fix it. They didn't fix it. So what I've been doing is putting a bucket under there for all this time, and then I empty it into the toilet. Well, the other day I slipped, and the water went all over the place, and I, it did damage to the baseboard. <laughs> and, the, oh, okay. yeah. and, and can you sue based on you slipping and the no. damage to the baseboard? No, no. Oh, well, no, no. I'm an ex-football player. I, that's that's nothing. Uh, who pays for the baseboard? Uh, you, I, I think you do. Because there is not enough of a connection between the negligence of what the landlord is not doing and should be doing and you spilling the bucket. Uh, bucket. There has to be some cause causality. And that can be well, cut without, off. That can be cut off. Without the water, I wouldn't have been doing it. Yeah, right. And by the way, without living, without the guy that sold the apartment to your landlord causing the water to come down. And then you spill the bucket. Wait a minute. How about the guy who owned the land, who sold it to the developer, who built the apartment, who then uh, sold it to someone else? Shouldn't everybody be responsible? Because look at the connection. It wouldn't have happened if. Uh, There is, at some point, it's cut off. In other words... This was okay when I moved in. It doesn't matter. There's a responsibility that they have to fix it. That's another issue. Uh, I would argue have an ability. I would, you can do what I did with a previous caller and say there's a rent. Uh, you can withhold rent. Uh, you can fix it yourself and uh, say I'm taking it out of the rent. Uh, you, uh, there's a whole bunch of things you can do, and I've gone over them a, a bunch of times. But sure, no, sure. no. There's a hole in the bucket, dear Liza, dear Liza. There's a hole in the bucket, dear Liza. Gee, Bill, I used to like you, too. I, yeah, I, <laughs> well, I used to like you, Al. All right? So now it's mutual disgust. Oh, boy. All right. For a lot of businesses, hiring is tough. And I've hired uh, employees for a long time. And it makes it critical. Uh, you have to choose the right place to post your jobs. And you need qualified candidates. You know, uh, even when you go to one of those big postings, uh, you go to one and hopefully it works. Well, let me tell you one that really works. Qualified candidates, you get them fast on a budget. Uh, no long-term contract or you pay upfront fees. I once hired one of those search firms. It cost a bucket of money and didn't work out, which is why I'm telling you about Indeed.com, the world's number one job site. Independent research shows Indeed delivers six times more hire than any other job site. You post your job in minutes, set up the screener questions to help you zero in on qualified candidates. You can review the, can- uh, the applicants, of course, take notes, schedule interviews, all from an easy-to-use online dashboard. And Indeed is offering new users a $50 credit to make that first job listing a sponsored job. And that's premium visibility so more candidates will see it. So you want to make a great hire fast, and this offer gives you a good head start. Over 3 million businesses have used Indeed for hiring. To redeem this offer, 50 bucks, go to Indeed.com slash credit. Indeed.com slash credit. Terms, conditions, and quality standards apply. This is Handle on the Law. Let's go to Julie Slater in the newsroom. Hey, it's Dean Sharp, the House Whisperer. So you're looking for a home theater system, and after all the stores and demos and salespeople, you're more confused than ever. Well, yeah, because you haven't talked to me yet. And that's why we can't have nice things. 
Home with Dean Sharp, the house whisperer. Tomorrow morning at 9 on KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. you knock me out. KFI AM uh, 640. Bill Handel here on a uh, Saturday. More handle on the law. Marginal legal advice. Hello, Pete. You're up. Your turn. Yeah, I want to know how. what's the best way to get out of my timeshare. Uh, I haven't had this question in a while. Uh, so uh, this is one of those questions, problems. There's nothing easy about it. It's really sloppy uh, because you've signed a contract. I mean, how, how right. do you get out of a contract? Uh, I loan you $1,000. Uh, we have a contract. You call uh, a legal show. How do I get out of this, even though I signed it and I took the money? Uh, it's a tough one. Now, uh, let that being said, that's not absolute. It's not as if I loaned you $1,000 and you want out of it. This is a timeshare. And there are all kinds of issues with timeshares. And... So I have, uh, there's mixed reports. Uh, hiring these timeshare companies, for example, uh, I've heard both good and bad. Uh, they, don't, they don't have a legal basis, incidentally, uh, to go ahead. There really is no good legal basis. So it's a question of harassing the timeshare company to let you out. Threatening okay. lawsuits, arguing that when you bought the timeshare, it was under duress and it was a co- under coercion, which it was. Because you were the idiot that's, uh, that sat in one of those timeshare seminars and took the free vacation for two days, and they pressured you into buying a timeshare. Do I have that right? Yes. Of course. And and, and that you argue that th- that is a predatory practice. I don't know if that's uh, been uh, – uh, if, uh, uh, if that works or not. Depends on the judge, maybe. So what I would do is uh, you can – Call one of those timeshare companies. But the problem with those timeshare companies is it's money up front. Yeah. And it's uh, – if you don't like if you don't like what we do, uh, you get all your money back if you're not satisfied. Uh, and so a year goes by. Two years goes by. Well, I'm not happy and you haven't done anything. We're still working on it. Here are the letters. This drags on and it can for years. Uh, so I would do one of two things. Uh, I would contact a timeshare company – that doesn't charge up front. There are lawyers out there who deal. Uh, that's what I would do. Lawyers that deal specifically with these issues, but they're going to charge uh, also. Uh, you can try to do it yourself. You can start by saying, I want out. Good luck. Now, I talked to a guy who sells timeshares. I met him through a friend. We were at some event. And I told and I asked him just about this problem how to get out of a timeshare. And he worked for one of the big, big companies. And he said, You know what? A lot of time, we just don't think it's worth the hassle. We just don't. You know, lawsuit is filed, and we just want out of it. Here, Here's your timeshare back, because they're going to resell it. And so those are the choices you have. There's there's nothing clean about this, Pete. There isn't any, any, there's nothing clean. The only thing that is absolutely clean is that you're a moron uh, sitting in one of those seminars. Well, and uh, getting a pressure. I've never seen such high pressure in my life. I once went to one uh, with my wife and literally, and every time everybody, they come in and go, hey, George just bought one. And everybody applauds and they don't let you out of the room. Well, I'm not interested. Well, right now, this is what you get. I'm not interested. Well, no, let's do a deal here. They'll do everything. I had to say to him, 
Are you not letting me out of the room? Do I call the police because you are now kidnapping me? Have you locked the doors? That got me out. And that was the kind of pressure that it took. So, Pete, let me come back. You're only half a moron because you got caught up in in, in what I think is the, the biggest scam, one of the biggest scams out there. Uh, incidentally, what yeah. did you get by showing up to the timeshare? A couple free drinks. Couple of free drinks. Now we're back to full moron, and maybe yeah, no. maybe even beyond that. Wow, this is handle on the law. KFI AM six forty. Bill Handel here. It's a uh, Saturday morning. Coming up at eleven o'clock. Leo Laporte. Then the Fork Report two to five. Mo Kelly, 6 to 8 tonight. Monique Marvez, 8 to 10. And then it ends up with Brian Suits and I, 10 to midnight. Our Saturday lineup. Phone numbers. Phone number 800-520-1KFI. It's 1534. This is Handle on the Law, Marginal Legal Advice, where I tell you you have absolutely no case. Uh, The DACA is in the news. Right? Uh, Oh, boy, is it. And uh, this is uh, all about uh, the the dreamers under the program uh, that uh, the president established that uh, that effectively says, well, it does say anybody brought over here as a minor and is in the United States X number of years, et cetera, can stay, will not be deported, and uh, will be allowed to go to school and have a work permit. That's really important. Now, that doesn't make them any less illegal. What it does is uh, simply say, we're not going to deport you and you can work. And it's a two years. It's, it's two years. It has to be renewed every two years. Well, the president, President Trump, as you know, undid that and rescinded it. And the country is in an uproar. And 15 states, including Washington, D.C., sued the administration over ending DACA. And then at first, uh, when I first looked at it, I go, well, how do they sue? It's a federal issue. It was a presidential directive that President Obama signed establishing DACA. It wasn't Congress. It's not a law. So why can't President Trump undo DACA? That's simple. So where's the lawsuit? Well, he doesn't have the jurisdiction, doesn't have the authority. Once you start, you can't pull back. No. None of that is true. And then I looked at the lawsuit. And it is not a question of the president not having the power. What it is, is the president is unconstitutional in rescinding DACA. Why? Because the point of it, rescission, is to punish and disparage people with Mexican roots. Boom, we're now into civil rights. We're now into discrimination. We're now into asking the courts to deem what he said unconstitutional, and therefore that disappears. That's what happened with the travel ban. That went up to the Supreme Court. And the appellate court said that that travel ban was unconstitutional because it discriminated against Muslims. You can't do that. You can't discriminate against religion or ethnicity. You can't discriminate uh, against uh, religious belief. I just said that. Uh, You can't uh, discriminate against gender, sexual orientation. And what they're arguing is this is discrimination against Latinos of Mexican root. 
or people of Mexican root. Therefore, it's not an issue of a presidential directive. It is an issue of uh, signing a directive that in and of itself is a violation of the Constitution because it discriminates against a specific ethnicity. Who the hell? Is it going to win? I don't know. Then you can argue that anything dealing with a border, any security of the border is primarily aimed at keeping uh, Latinos out. Here's one uh, that I just thought of, and that is, what if the border to Mexico is 100 times more secure than the border to Canada, which it is? The argument is, wait a minute, look at what you're doing to Canada. You're not you, you, What you're doing to Mexico, you're not doing the same to Canada. It's discrimination. You're saying white Canadians are less of a threat than brown Mexicans. The fact that it's true in terms of securing the border, in terms of the number of people come over illegal uh, illegally, eh, doesn't matter. As long as you can argue some kind of discrimination, you'll buy yourself a court case. I don't think it's going to go anyplace, but when in doubt, always figure out some legal way to get into court. All right, uh, let's go ahead and uh, take a phone call or two. All right, Mary, there Hi. you go. Yes, ma'am. Hi. I, I, this is becoming habit forming. I just love to talk to you. Of I'm course so you do. Sorry. I just do. You're so smart. Yeah, brilliant, smart brilliant. Yes. You are. Even though, listen, I have, you know, like what you just said relates so much to gang injunctions, which I think are unconstitutional and which are basically ruining my life. How is a gang injunction ruining your life, Mary? Well, I let one guy in, and he was in the gang, and the next thing you know, it was like he brought his friends. And now, just call me the godmother. And, and the, the police hate me, and they put me in a, in a, in a, in a, a police car. This was recently, very recently. And what did they and, put you in the police car for, Mary? Uh, they said that I was going to go with my husband into the ambulance. Just wait there. And but why, why did they call an ambulance? For whom? They, some, somebody... I don't know exactly who. Some relatives said my 84-year-old husband was in danger, and I couldn't take care of him. All right, so they called the ambulance? Oh, yeah. And who went went into the ambulance? My husband went into one. Oh, and they wouldn't... I went into the other. Okay, they wouldn't let you into... I don't understand. You said they wouldn't let me into the ambulance. With my husband. Oh, you say, okay. They said you're going separately. Okay. Right, and but they told me, oh, don't worry. You're going to meet him there. In the meantime, I was stuck in, in a locked very hot car with my chihuahua. Okay, and you're talking about the ambulance now. No, the police car. I what what, what happened? I thought the ambulance picked you up. First, they put me in a police car to make me sweat and get sick. And then they called the ambulance. Exactly. For, I'm assuming for excessive sweating, and there's a, a huge yeah. medical problem yeah, with they that. Yes. They, they, they found out I had blood pressure problems. Which okay, which, which are, of course, exacerbated by putting you in a hot locked ambulance I, or a I hot locked police have, car. Wait, but I had my puppy with my doggy. There you I go. And that's animal cruelty uh-huh. and elder abuse to me, because I'm an old 67 year old yeah. woman. Not to mention my husband, 84, who was separated from his wife and his chihuahua. Yeah. And well, his by the people. way, just real quickly, was it hot enough to cook the chihuahua? Well, almost. I mean, I kept begging for water. 20 minutes, they wouldn't even give me water. Uh-huh. We only had three inches open of the, of the whole car. I put my dog's head out the car. Cause three inches? Got three, how, you, you must have a very small chihuahua, or there was a lot of squeeze factor involved. It's, it's a three, no, it's a three-inch opening, and her head fits. Oh. You know, her nose. So, you know, she didn't die. So I guess there's no, no case. 
except I still think it was unfair because you could. Okay, what 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 would you like to do, Mary? I want to sue them. Do you think I should? Yes. Really? Yeah. Honest to God. How much? How much? Jeez, uh, I don't know. Uh, I need to fix my property. No, I, I well, how much you think it's going to cost to fix your property? At least a hundred grand. Yeah, I would go for at least that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. I don't. I don't like suing, but I know. Listen, I don't like suing either. But sometimes you simply have to do what you have to do. I need money to fix the property. No, I get it. I I understand. I understand. Thank you. All right. I love you. I love you. you. Okay. All right. Let's just uh, move on, if that's okay. Uh, Jose. Jose, hello. Hello. How you doing? Yes, sir. What can I do for you? Yeah, I rented an apartment, and the unit below had bed bugs, so they fumigated the whole building. And um, now they want to evict everybody after that. We paid the rent on the first of the month, and now they gave the rent back, and they say they're going to uh, evict everybody. Okay, first of all, they back. can't give you the rent back. Once you've paid for the rent, and they can't turn around and go, here's your rent back. I mean, the rent has been paid. Uh, they, now, they, they, uh, they want to evict everybody Everybody after the fact. Why? Do they give a reason or just evicting the entire apartment? Reason for having bed bugs, I guess. For okay, they had bed bugs. They fumigated, and then afterwards, they wanted to evict everybody in the entire apartment building. Yes. I don't know. Why would they do that? Don't know. I don't either. Doesn't make yeah, a lot of, they, doesn't make a lot of sense so. to me. No. Did you, ask, did have, you ask the lead, uh, landlord? Bed bugs are gone. You fumigated. Everybody's a happy camper. We're paying the rent, and now you're evicting everybody. Any particular reason you're doing that? Have you asked the landlord that? Gave a number to call. Yeah. Called the number. Guy had no information. He just said he worked for the landlord, but he couldn't give any information. And All right. he said, you're evicted, uh, that's it. Yeah, well, you're not evicted. There's an eviction notice, and there are defenses here based on what you said. And I don't know of any landlord that would ever do that. But, okay, assuming uh, what you said is valid, uh, there okay. probably is a case there for retaliatory eviction or wrongful eviction. And uh, But you guys are going to need a lawyer for that. So all of you get together and uh, get a landlord-tenant attorney. And no one's going to do it for free. Uh, but if you have enough people, let's say you have a landlord-tenant attorney that's charging $400 an hour, and there are 10 of you involved because everybody has the same case, uh, it's 40 bucks an hour. Okay. Uh, yeah, so that's what I would do. All right, go for it. Yeah, I don't want to go beyond that. I mean, you know, some stories. Uh, for those of you that are landlords, think about this. For those of you who aren't landlords, think about this. Hey, bed bugs, legitimate bitch. Okay, got to take them out. You have to. Got to remove them so you fumigate. Okay, all gone. By the way, right after that, I'm evicting everybody. Who the hell does that? Unless it's a teardown, unless the property has been sold, unless uh, the entire remodeling has to take place. And then there are all kinds of rules and regulations, and they have to pay relocation. So uh, something's wrong with that story. This is Handle on the Law. And uh, Julie Slater in the KFI Newsroom. Hey, it's Dean Sharp, the House Whisperer. So you're looking for a home theater system, and after all the stores and demos and salespeople, you're more confused than ever. Well, yeah, because you haven't talked to me yet. And that's why we can't have nice things. Home with Dean Sharp, the House Whisperer. Tomorrow morning at 9 on KFI. AM 640. More stimulating talk. Hey, if I am a 640, Bill Handle here on a Saturday. More Handle on the law. Marginal legal advice. Ken 
Hello, Ken. You're up. Welcome. All right, Bill. Here we go. Yes. Son, 16-year-old high school senior, daughter, middle school, another daughter, elementary school. School district decided that they were going to participate in the students having an anti-Trump rally. They set up a designated area for the anti-Trumpers and a small area for the Trump supporters. Trump supporters, being all five of them, were confronted and yelled at and all that kind of stuff, which is no big deal. Pictures were actually taken it is a bi- actually it is a big deal if the school does it. Okay. Uh, but okay. that's okay. But that's neither here nor taken, there. Pictures were taken of my son holding a Trump flag. They were then taken, posted on social media with the hat with the tag on the front of it. Someone please kill him. That has turned into over three hundred comments with hundreds of either death threats, I somebody kick his butt, uh, all go take this off and shoot yourself, yeah. kill yourself. Yeah. Um, I've had to remove my son from the district. My daughter went to school the following morning, and it's made its way to the middle school, where she was confronted about what, what's going on with her brother. So I had to pull my daughter from the middle school. Okay, I got it. All right. And your question is what? Can you is, just... By them creating this unpolitical safe environment where we're all about yeah. safe space, apparently, are they? Uh, do I have any legal? Yeah, I would. Action? I would think yes, and I'll tell you why. Because uh, this was not just a rally. Uh, knowing the history of these Trump rallies, that was what I. Yeah, and they knew that, and they knew that it doesn't take an idiot to watch the news or to read a newspaper. Is uh, what they did is they set up an unsafe environment. And they should and they should have known there would, of course, are going to be photos taken because everybody on the planet has a cell phone and they knew it was going to be posted on uh, on uh, social. They invited invited the newspaper out. The newspaper covered the event, but didn't cover any of the other side. Just covered how great. No, right. No, I get it. I get it. Uh, And it's not an issue of the politics, which I think uh, the school uh, should be held liable in some way about the politics of it. But uh, they're going to argue we did it for both sides. Uh, and Everybody knows that's that's a crock. Uh, that Trump supporters are going to get nailed with the counter uh, Trump people. But the safety issue, uh, the should have known issue on this one, the anticipated uh, effect of this. Absolutely. I would nail the school for that. And uh, so what, what kind of attorney? Would I, I would take uh, probably a civil rights attorney. Okay. I would think, and you want to, I would go for the, uh, it, yeah, I would start with a civil rights attorney. No, they're not going to jump in because it's not a, vi- well, actually it is violation of he your rights. It. You know, start, I thought it was. Yeah, start with a civil rights attorney. And the civil rights okay. attorney may say, yeah, that's not really what we do uh, because we're not discrimination based on any of the big uh, categories, race, religion, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what it is is based on political speech. And it's not discrimination per se. It's not you can't come in if you believe this. I mean, that would be crystal clear. Uh, yeah. This is a, a just a, a bunch of effects. It was just a scenario uh, they should have anticipated where they knew there was going to be some risk uh, to your son or anybody else. Yep, I'd go for it. Absolutely. School districts. Can you imagine school districts now doing that? Uh, what, junior high, high school? Uh, astounding. All right, Namako, there you are. Hi, Namako. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. My friend's son who is blind in the state of California, Cal- I mean the state of Virginia, wants to come and live with his mother here in California. Does he get the same benefits, I don't know what the amount is, here in California, or does he have to reapply? Well, is he getting state benefits in Virginia, or is federal? Social Security, is it SSI, Medicare, what is it? Social Security. He gets it all. There's no difference. All right. Uh, Howard. Hello, Howard. 
Yeah, thanks. Uh, a company approached four of us to install their product for one of their clients, and we did the job. Uh, we were told that this uh, client paid the company for the install, but we didn't get paid. So I wrote them a letter of demand because I was going to take them to small claims court and didn't hear back from them. Uh, I Googled the company and found out they went Chapter 7. Hmm. And? Uh, not sure now. Uh, in the... Uh, in that Google, when I Googled it, it says there's a meeting of creditors yes. to be held on 1013. Yes. Uh, you know, in Oakland. Yeah, what's your question, my man? Uh, do I have any recourse? No, not really. I mean, the company's got, Chapter 7 is total liquidation, so uh, that's kind of over. Uh, now, here's what you can do is uh, you can attend the meeting and probably do it by phone uh, where you'll be one of the creditors. But here is the problem when you talk about a liquidation is uh, you are so low on the list of creditors that are going to be paid that by the time you're there, by the time you come up on the line, it's going to disappear. First are taxes, uh, employees, employees of the company, wages. Uh, then you have uh, secured property. In other words, someone has a UCC1 security. I sell you a copier and I keep the security on it so uh, I can grab the copier if you don't pay uh, then you have uh, unsecured debt, and part of that is, are contracts that have not been paid. So you are so out of luck, I can't even begin to tell you. But uh, I get on the phone, and uh, you want to call the, the trustee. You should be able to uh, get you – sh- you should have – the fact that you went on Google is kind of interesting. You should get some kind of a mailed document that lists you as a creditor – and if they don't get that and the debtor doesn't list you as a creditor, then you're not dischargeable. So you can go after them. You can sue them. But uh, how much money do they owe you? For of us, it's about $12,000. All right. Well, uh, yeah, that's probably enough. But if you get the document listing you as a creditor, which probably will happen, you're sort of completely out to lunch. That's the way it goes. That's what bankruptcy is all about. And those are the risks you take. And it's a drag. It really is. There's nothing good about that. This is, except for the guy going bankrupt, this is Handle on the Law. Oh, let's go to Julie. I'm sorry, Julie. Julie Slater. There you go. All right. Thank you. More stimulating talk as soon as I shut up. KFI and iHeart Radio Station. All right. KFI Handle on a Saturday morning as I'm watching the news outlets. And this is all about Irma, as you can imagine. We'll do a lot more about that uh, tomorrow and Monday, of course, as Irma hits uh, Florida. All right, back we go. More handle on the law, marginal legal advice. All right, uh, a couple of car ones, actually. Uh, uh, Lorenzo, uh, you're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi, Bill. Yeah. How are you doing? Yes, sir. What can I do okay. for you? Uh, I'm fine. Uh, quick question. Like I care. I didn't ask that. But what can uh, I do for you? On, yeah, Bill. go ahead. I don't care. I don't yeah. care how you're doing. I'm answering your question. Go for it. Okay, go for it. Uh, my granddaughter bought a brand new car last month. Uh, T-boned. Totaled it. She's fine. Just banged up, but not nothing broken. Anyway, her insurance wants her to pay $500 deductible so they can buy back the salvage or get rid of the salvage. They're going to pay off the car, go after the people that hit her. They are um, not uh, arguing the fact that they were 100% um, liable. 
or so it's both. her it's her insurance company or their insurance company no her insurance company okay is what, is she, what do they want her. okay they're gonna pay it off what what so now what's the question okay they want her to pay five hundred dollars deductible okay yeah deductible. Okay. and i told her well have them take it out of the salvage sale that they're gonna get from that car because it was t-boned the whole front yeah no i get it I, I, and so your question is yes uh can they work that out? Yeah, no, they can work it out. You can you can try to negotiate it, sure. Uh, how about her down payment? Uh, she's going to get. Here's the problem you're going to get is she probably doesn't get have gap insurance, so she buys a car, uh, it gets destroyed. The second she drives off the lot, the car is already depreciated, I see. and all the insurance company has to do is pay the value of the car. So you buy a forty thousand dollar car. You drive it off the lot. The minute it is registered in her name, it's now worth $30,000 because it's a used car. And they have to pay the value of the used car, and that's it. Okay. And, uh, that's if, her insurance or the other party's insurance? Well, the other party's insurance, you can sue for the entire, uh, well, you can, no, they only have the, the, the damage is to, uh, for the value of the car. Right. They're not going. There's not replacement. It's the value of the car, unless you have something called gap insurance. Okay. Which pays the difference. I see. <clears throat> oh, here's mom but in the can background. She, can she go after the other party's insurance for her two thousand plus the five hundred deductible? She can go for the deductible. Not the two thousand. The two thousand is what? The amount of money she's getting? No, the amount of money she put down when she bought the car. Uh, it's only a question of value. She's going to get the value of the car. And that's it. Nothing more, nothing less. You can't make a profit on it. If the car is worth $12,000, you can't say I want $14,000. And uh, but, but, it, but I paid $20,000 for it. doesn't matter. It's the value at that moment. All right, Ruben. Hello, Ruben. Yes, yes sir. Hi, hi, Bill. Nice smile. My first time caller. Okay, good. Uh, uh, my name, uh, anyways, uh, two, uh, 12 years ago, I went overseas, uh, went on deployment. And, oh, really? Where'd, uh, you, where'd you go, Ruben? Uh, Montana, Bay. Oh, you went to Gitmo. How long were you there? Yes, I did. Uh, about 12 months. Okay. And I had a car that I uh, no longer could afford, so I called the finance company up that had the note of the car and told them I couldn't afford it, if they could come get the car. Well, they came two months later. They pick up the car, and when I got back from deployment, I didn't hear nothing from them for a couple of years. After that, all of a sudden, I'm getting uh, uh, they taking me to court, saying that uh, I owe them money. I couldn't make it to the court date, and so early they... right now, I'm getting uh, my wages garnished. Yeah, yeah, you got a default judgment against you. So there is a yeah. judgment against you. And here is your problem. You didn't go to court. Okay, really okay. stupid. Really stupid. Oh, yeah, I just. I mean, make it. really stupid. Okay. Okay, that's for, that's for starters. Okay, the thing is, the car was only worth like six thousand dollars. Okay, well, but now, but how much? Me yeah, but how much? Wait a second. It was worth six thousand dollars. How much did you owe on the car? I owed uh, probably like four. $5,000. Oh, and they want 20? Yeah. No, yeah, that's okay. and they got, and they have a judgment for 20? Yeah, they okay. do. And they're garnishing yeah. my wages. Yeah, no, I get it. You got to you have to go back into court. Uh you have no choice. And now instead of just showing up, 
and arguing uh, against the amount of money. Uh, this this is now a real issue. They have the right yeah. to charge you, but yeah. and even if they sell it, uh, they'll sell it at auction. So you have a uh, six thousand dollar car. So and you have and you uh, it's uh, well you, it's worth or let's say they get four thousand dollars for it. It's worth six. So they're not going to okay. get six. Certainly, they're going to get far less than that. So whatever it's whatever you owe on it. Uh, is going to be the difference between the two. If you understand, if a car goes down in value and you still owe more, you pay the difference. And they're effectively saying that, that you still owe the money. This is the more, this is the people that let you the money, correct? Yeah. Okay. So they loaned you $6,000 to buy the car, correct? Yeah. Okay. And you're saying the car is worth four or is it the other way around? Well, well, the car I bought at the time. It doesn't like matter what you paid for it. I don't care what you paid for it. What oh, is the I, car? I, what is the car worth? I I have no idea. You have to understand. So whatever the car is worth, you probably drop that in half is what they're going to get at auction, and okay. you owe the difference. You yeah. owe the difference between what they got at auction and what they're uh, what they've loaned you. Now, if you're okay. talking about a four six thousand dollar car, twenty thousand dollars is ridiculous. Yeah, that's what I'm having. That's the problem. Fight. So, unfortunately, you have to go back into court, into court, get the judgment removed, although I don't even know on what basis. Uh-huh. Uh, I didn't show up, Your Honor? Yeah, yeah, because I saw the, I got a letter sent to me, uh, $10,000 is going to the lawyer that did the process. Yeah, and I'll tell you, and- probably, probably your mortgage, uh, probably your, the lien on the car, the lender says, at, and legal fees also. But uh-huh. legal fees here aren't ten thousand dollars. Yep. You got sued. You didn't show up. They got a default judgment. That's it. Okay. Uh, so you have to argue that. But getting yourself into court is not going to be fun. And uh, how do you, you file a motion? Uh, I don't even know on what basis I was uh, I was unable to go to court. My dog ate the documents. Uh, I was dying of cancer, and I'm dead now. My arms were removed in surgery at that time, and I couldn't pick up the documents. I don't know. Now, if you have a lawyer and that happens, you have an argument for ineffective counsel. But I don't know if you just don't show up. All right, a big story uh, that came in uh, yesterday, one of the big, big uh, reported uh, credit reporting bureaus. I mean, there's three of them. This is one of the three. Announced a breach could affect 143 million Americans. That's basically all of us that have credit or they have their information. We're talking about Social Security numbers. We're talking addresses, full names, driver's licenses. I mean, crazy stuff. By the way, I called, uh, uh, went on the uh, their internet, uh, their their page. Yep, uh, mine, was, uh, mine was compromised. So I'm feeling pretty good because uh, I'm a customer of LifeLock. And what LifeLock is about is protecting your identity. And now if someone starts to use that stuff, for example, takes a credit, uh, a, you know, files for a credit or even inquiry, I get, I immediately get a, notif- a notification from LifeLock. And if it turns out that my credit is compromised, LifeLock then goes to work to fix the problem. Now, no one can prevent all identity theft or monitor every transaction at every business. But, man, does it make sense to have LifeLock now for sure. Go to LifeLock.com, use the promo code HANDLE for 10% off your your LifeLock membership. Call 800-LIFELOCK and say HANDLE. 
Go to uh, lifelock.com, promo code handle, or call uh, or visit lifelock.com and use the promo code handle. This is Handle on the Law. 800-520-1KFI, our phone number, 800-520-1534, couple lines open. I mean, it's, uh, we're filling them up and we're going through them, 800-520-1534. All right, uh, Julie Slater in the KFI Newsroom. Oh, those millennials. They're so sexually fluid. Everybody's bi these days. You'd think they invented it. Actually, in the history of the human species, we've always had a variety of sexual behaviors. And sometimes it's genuine, and sometimes it's hiding something. Dr. Wendy Walsh, tomorrow at 4, KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. What about KFI AM 640, Bill Handel, on a uh, Saturday morning. More Handel on... The law, marginal legal advice. Okay, Janice. Hello, Janice. You're up. Hello. Yes, ma'am. Um, I um, have a granddaughter who has been renting an apartment. Um, there's four units. Um, the apartment's uh, owners have, are getting a divorce, so the apartments have been sold to Interfaith, and they are making everybody move that were tenants in there. And they promised that they would help, um, you know, find them a place that's equal, has a little yard for their dog and, you know, yard care and that. And they promised they would help them with the expense of the move. But now as time goes by, it's only another two weeks before they're going to have to move out. They haven't found them any place. It's okay. been a terrible area. Where All right. Let's start. Okay. Let's staff. let's start where they have uh, no duty to move out at this point unless – uh, the landlord has followed the proper procedures of eviction. And has your daughter been evicted? No. Okay. She can stay as long as she wants until an eviction uh, goes through. Okay. It's a so- legal process. She does not have to move. And she can tell the landlord, you want to know something? You can go pa- uh, pound sand. Now, if it's in a rent control area, uh, then there's nothing the landlord can do. Uh, and it doesn't matter who the landlord is, incidentally. The fact they sold it, didn't sold it, is totally incidental to this process. So uh, where exactly what city is it in, Janice? It's in Escondido, California. Okay. I don't think uh, they have rent control in Escondido. So uh, he is allowed to evict uh, everybody there. Uh-huh. The landlords are simply allowed to do that unless they're stopped by law, rent control. Uh, but under state law, there's relocation money that has to be given. So his offer to pay, he has to. And it doesn't matter whoever owns it. And until she is evicted, uh, she just stays put. So those are her rights, kiddo. Kiddo, did I just say kiddo? I have a friend of mine that I called kiddo who just went through the roof who said, I'm not a kiddo. You can call me anything else, but kiddo is off the table. John, you're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hello, John. Hey, Bill. Yes. So recently, me and my fiance just bought a home. Um, she's actually the, the primary one who got the loan because my credit is so horrible. Um, I remember you telling a story not too long ago about uh, how you had the same situation with Marjorie. No, I didn't. She just time. had the money, and we both owned a home. And the, oh, the credit, okay. no, the credit was always in both of our names. She just put the oh. down, she just put the down payment on. She just came up with a down. But anyway, uh, so what's your question? Because we only have a minute or so. Um, well, um, so both of your names were on the loan then, and on the title, right? Both title uh, and loan. Gosh, gotcha. I thought, I thought there was something that you said, uh, no, but what, no, what's your question? 
Oh, well, um, that, so my question is, is um, after, so how do I go about uh, transitioning to get us both on for right now? On the loan uh, or on you, title? Yeah. Um, both, actually. All right. On the loan, you have to refi the loan. Okay. Both of you have to apply for refi. Uh, forcing her or putting your name on uh, title ain't going to happen until she agrees. Gotcha. If she doesn't agree, you're out to lunch, so I hope you guys get along. No, no, we do. All right, yes. So it's a refi in both your names. Okay. And then it is uh, part of that refi when it transfers, uh, when there's a a, a new note, uh, you'll add, uh, your name will be added. So so you can't force someone to give you a piece of property. You really can't. All right. Uh, Let me tell you about Indeed.com. Uh, being a business person, uh, most of my adult life, uh, I've been hiring people. And hiring is tough. It's even tougher today. You have to choose just that right person to post your jobs. So you need qualified candidates. It has to be fast, on budget. You don't want to ser- sign those long-term contracts or pay upfront fees for, their, for those search companies. Those are a fortune. So Indeed.com, the world's number one job site. Independent research shows Indeed delivers six-time more hires than any other job site. You post your job in minutes. You can set up screener questions to help you zero in on qualified candidates. You can review applicants, take notes, schedule interviews, all from an easy-to-use online dashboard. And Indeed is offering new users a $50 credit to make that first job listing a sponsored job. Premium visibility, more candidates will see it. So you want to give, uh, you want to get a great hire fast, and this offer gives you a head start, which is why over 3 million businesses use Indeed for hiring. So to get the $50 offer, go to Indeed.com slash credit. Indeed.com slash credit. Terms, conditions, quality standards apply. Indeed.com slash credit. This is Handle on the Law. KFI AM uh, 640 on a Saturday morning. Uh, Bill Handel here. 800-520-1KFI. 800-520-1534. Right up until 11 a.m. Uh, following uh, Irma. going uh, Hitting the Keys, uh, Florida Keys tomorrow morning and then going on to the mainland. And it, this one's going to be a mess. This is going to be a disaster. So stay tuned to KFI over the weekend. And then Monday, of course, in the middle of this, I'll be talking about it, reporting on uh, probably the entire show. We're going to be going back and forth on it. All right. This is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice, where I tell you, you have no case. This one's out of Canada, but Canadian law and American law are basically the same when it comes to this sort of thing. So... There is a waitress at a restaurant who is making a claim that a female manager unfairly, illegally demanded that she wear a bra at work. Genevieve, we'll just call her Genevieve, uh, violation, she said, it's a violation of my rights as a person to dictate my undergarments. Totally sexist. These are my underwear. Now, that one gets interesting because there are a few legal issues involved. And uh, she said, Genevieve said of the manager, she literally was looking right at my breasts and said, well, Jen, I can clearly see you're not wearing a bra and that you have nipple piercings. Uh, And 
So, uh, oh, there's all kinds of fun issues. Uh, she went on to describe uh, saying some men have larger breasts than I do. Moobs. Man boobs. It's true. There are a couple of guys running around with moobs that are extraordinary, but uh, I, that doesn't particularly uh, matter. And you would never impose a bra on a male that you would impose on a female. That's correct. Right. Men do not wear bras. And it doesn't matter how big their moves are. And the manager said, you know what? It's different. Men and women are different. And we don't want you to do it. That's simply our rules. So she's coming back and saying illegal discrimination on two grounds. Ground number one is uh, the legal ground saying these are undergarments and you have no right to dictate my undergarments. Okay, that's one legal issue. Uh, And it's gender-specific dress, which I think is hilarious uh, because that means that if you have a formal, for example, dining establishment, the men wear dark pants, the women wear dark skirts, that's gender-specific, and you can't do that. You have to let the men wear skirts and the women wear pants or everybody wears skirts or everybody wears pants. It's hilarious. So I don't know where that argument's going to go. The other one, which I think is more fun, is that a practical answer, she says, and none of it really makes any difference because uh, my Winnebago's aren't big at all. There's nothing there. So... Forcing me to wear a bra where I don't need to wear a bra. I'm effectively so flat-chested it makes no sense. That is unfair, although more about the nipple piercings. She didn't argue about the nipple piercings. So here you are, a waitress person, a female waitress, and uh, there the nipple uh, piercings right there. Hey, I would fire you if you were working for me. I would say, you cover up, you get rid of those, and... Otherwise, you are gone. And if you want to keep them, then on your breasts, such as they were that you say don't exist very much, uh, then you cover it up with a bra. Because I don't want my customers to see through your top uh, nipple piercings. So uh, she's going to lose. I mean, this is just, you get to the point where you go, come on, really? Nipple piercings, right? It's like a waiter wearing Speedos uh, with a Prince Albert. And, and, I, and, and I'm not even going to tell you about that because now we've gone to a level that I actually shouldn't. Should I, Mike? No. No, we're going to drop that one right now completely. Okay, uh, let's go ahead and take some phone calls. Uh, where was – oh, here's one that I was waiting for. Steve. Hello, Steve. Uh, you're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Good morning. Yes, sir. I'm a Navy dentist. Good morning. I'm a Navy dentist, and I invented an anti-bad breath toothbrush called the Neutralizer Plus. I sell it at the Marine Corps base here on the Internet on my site, and I also sell it at the Marriott gift stores. It's kind of getting away from me in the sense that I'm a Navy dentist. I'm not a businessman. I give the profits to the uh, Warrior Foundation here in San Diego. I'm to the point now where... I think I want to give this to that association and let them take over the business because I have my expenses and time where I have to order right. supplies. I, I got have it. To keep insurance got it. So stuff. you, so your plan is to literally sign the business over to them such that you have nothing left. You have nothing more, no more connection to the business at all. It's just yeah, not yours. 100% okay. correct. All right. Your question. 
my question is two. One, what kind of attorney would I secure? Because I have yet to approach this any any business any about. business any business attorney can arrange a transfer. Okay, and number number two. Would it be smart for me to maintain liability insurance no. for another couple of okay. No, not really, because you have nothing more to do with it. Uh, well, you're, you're done. Now, if someone gets hurt, they get to come back and say, you invented it and you invented the process and there's liability. It never hurts to have uh, insurance. I'm a big fan right. of insurance, and uh, that's not particularly stupid. I mean, there's some stupid stuff out there in terms of insurance, but... Not, but you know what? In the end, I, I don't think so because you have nothing more to do with the business. They've accepted all liability if they're willing to take I w- it. I was taped for Shark Tank, and um, they did not uh, air the show because it wasn't patented at the time. It is now patented. And they could literally put that on TV at any time. So I have this last bit of thought would be, all of a sudden, my face and caricature. Yeah, but that doesn't matter. Promoting. That doesn't matter. If okay. you were liable and there was an injury, they'd find out who you were anyway. So the fact that you're on TV, okay. you, nobody cares about at all. And uh, they also probably didn't run it because you're ugly. Uh, and you no doubt have like shankers on your face or whatever the hell. I mean, they're very careful about who they run. Uh, Matthew. Uh, hi, Matthew. Welcome. Welcome, Bill. Yes, this sir. Is, uh, Matthew. Uh, my 93-year-old mother fired her nursing home, fired hospice, got a studio apartment, smoking a pack a day, drinking like she wants, and having a good old time. The problem is the landlord has, there's an assigned parking space for her apartment, but he won't let her use it because she doesn't have a car. Um, The family can't use it. Nobody can use it. There is a part-time caretaker he lets use, but nobody else. Is there anything? Wait a minute. So you can't, when you go visit her, the landlord won't let you park in her parking space? Absolutely not. Oh, he can't. He can't do that. He can't do that. It's her assigned parking space. Yeah, he can't do that. Well, what can we do? What can we do to just park there? He threatens with eviction. Yeah, he threatens with eviction. That's wrongful. That's a retaliatory eviction. That's a wrongful eviction. And what I would do is let him know. Here you go. You you evict because of this. You bought yourself a court date. And when it's a ninety-three-year-old lady who is being evicted under these circumstances, do you really want to look at a judge or a jury and make that argument? Okay. That's what I would say to the landlord. And right. uh, you just go, and it's what he's going to do. Tow away the car. You sue him instantly. Uh, if he files the eviction, you instantly go to an eviction attorney because I think uh, that whatever sanctions there are out there, bad faith, uh, just everything I can think of, and let him know in no uncertain terms, man, you're, you're, you really have a tiger by the tail. I mean, you're talking about a, you're talking about my smoking, drinking, ninety three year old mother. This is one tough broad. You do not want to get involved in a fist fight with her. This is true, but, but if I park there, he will tell me. And then so, you and you I let just, him know I will sue you every time, and I will collect. Okay, but uh, meanwhile, I have a trespass on my record. And you I, don't I have, have a trespass. Be... You're visiting her. Well, he'll he'll try to say to the. I'm sure he will. I'm sure he will. Okay. And then you say, uh, go ahead, you sue, and then if he does it again, you'll sue and you'll get your money for taking your car. Just be prepared to take your car out of Hawk. It's going to cost okay. you a couple hundred dollars, and then you instantly sue in small claims court. And then right. you let him know you do it again. Now we're talking about retaliatory uh, procedure that you're doing, a retaliatory act, and now I'm going to go after you for punitive damages. All and, right. and you'll get him. Very good. Hey, on that last call you did about the guy who didn't show up in court? Yes, there's two things he can do, a motion for reconsideration. Yeah, I said that. Days. I said that. 
or the CCP 473 for inadvertence. He's got up to six months to do that one. Well, there you go. The CCP, uh, I didn't even have any idea you could file that. He should do the show. You know that? Uh, inadvertence, I don't know. Because just, just ignoring uh, a court date, mm, I don't know how the judges. But uh, the other one, uh, re- and reconsideration. But under uh, that statute that he said, I'll take his word for it. You know, what the hell? What was his name? You remember? Is it uh, Matthew, I think? I think that was Matthew. This is Matthew on the law. Okay, Julie Slater, you're up. Hey, it's Dean Sharp, the house whisperer. So you're looking for a home theater system, and after all the stores and demos and salespeople, you're more confused than ever. Well, yeah, because you haven't talked to me yet. And that's why we can't have nice things. Home with Dean Sharp, the house whisperer. Tomorrow morning at 9 on KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. AM 640, Bill Handel on a uh, Saturday morning, right up until 11 o'clock. 800-520-1-KFI, 800-520-1534. This is Handel on the Law. Uh, hello, Kelly. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Bill. Sure. So my, husband and I, my husband and I have a retail store. We've had it for 25 years. Our business entity is a partnership. We have an SBA loan with our house as collateral. Um, it's getting harder and harder to keep our doors open. We wanted to see if there's any way to protect our house if we became an escort. Yeah, it doesn't matter. They don't, care. they don't care about that. Uh, that. That has nothing to do with uh, the money that you borrowed. It has to do with the protections in terms of liability and probably taxes and pensions that you can put money in. Uh, the loan, uh, you took a personal loan out, Correct. It was a small business yeah, loan. Yeah, you took personal. a per- so yeah. uh, so it's you that's borrowed the money, and yeah. so it's you owe the money. It's that simple. And as a matter of fact, it's even worse than that. If the business goes under, depending on what the terms of the SBA loan is, uh, you may have to pay it back. Oh, I'm I mean, they may call. I'm not pay it back. I mean, they're you obviously obviously going to call uh, pay it back, but they may call the loan where you owe the entire amount. I mean, it's a mess. You have a mess. But no, there is no easy way to get out of that. There really isn't. You borrow the money on your house, your house goes. So here's the security. Isn't that lovely, huh? All right, Jill. Hello, Jill. You're up. Welcome. Hey, yeah. Bill. Yes. Um, I have a question. I'm calling for my mother-in-law. She's now uh, 80, going on 82 years old. Um, what I want to know, I'm trying to help her out. She's seeking help as far as uh, in malpractice that she's she's gone maybe about four years ago. Uh, she goes see the doctor. She's the type of person every year to her routine. So she goes see the doctor, and they ask her, um, okay, you need a, we're going to take a biopsy sample from you. So she goes see and, and gets a pap smear. But during the biopsy, she, uh, she kind of overheard, and she felt like something cracked inside her. And uh, the doctor got nervous. She's uh, she's rushing the uh, nurses to uh, help her get some tools. And when she's done with the whole procedure, she goes home and she's like bleeding, like a hemorrhage, bleeding. Okay. And I'm assuming so. She went to the emergency room. Went to another doctor. Correct. She went to another doctor. At this point, she had already relocated to the Bay Area from L.A. To yeah, the I don't Bay care. Area. I don't care. She went to another doctor. Okay. What did the other doctor so she say? Goes to 
another doctor, and then she overhears the nurse says, says this lady has a piece of metal in her. Okay, so then, what that was put in nervous. that was put in four years before, correct? No, that was like a week after that happened. So they had her back and forth seeking. Wait a sec. When was the metal put in? I'm a little confused. Was the metal put in during the pap smear? During the pap smear. Got it. So we're only talking a few weeks before. Yes. Okay. So is there. Now, assume. Did the other doctor say, in fact, there is a piece of metal there? uh, The doctor didn't admit it. Who did? No, no. The second doctor. The second doctor you went to. No. That doctor, doctor did, did not say okay. there is a piece of metal inside of her. No, the doctor Okay, did you not go to another her. doctor. Very unusual for a doctor uh, who didn't do the procedure. I can see a doctor who didn't do the procedure trying to worm his way out of it or her way out of it. I cannot see another independent doctor cover up something like that because that doctor becomes liable. And it but makes... It's the same it, hospital. You know, go to another independent doctor. Get some other doctor. And even the same hospital, there's all kinds of liability. You have to get another doctor. I mean, there's no way. And then and then, uh, then you have, if it turns out there is a piece of metal, there is real malpractice. However, what are the damages? Okay, a piece of metal inside your body is, uh, and it hurts, and you hemorrhage. Okay, there's clearly malpractice. Now you go to a lawyer and go, what do you do? And the lawyer's going to say, eh, you know, you're right. You're malpractice. It's horrible, but... There isn't enough money there. Right. So what right. you have to yeah, do is... They, they already is, removed the metal. All right, so it's done. So the malpractice is... Who removed the metal? The first doctor? The, the same hospital. The, fir, the hospital did it? It wasn't even a doctor. The entire hospital removed it, correct? When, the who removed hospital. the metal? Well, I don't know who did it. Okay, it, was it the same doctor or was it another doctor? It was a, another doctor. Okay, there are operating notes... Okay. There, no one's going to lie. No one is going to lie about removing a piece of metal during a surgical procedure. That is never going to happen. Okay. So it's yeah. time. It's time to talk to a malpractice attorney. Explain what's going on. He'll get the notes. But in the end, the malpractice attorney may just say, "Yeah, you know." You're... Well, at her age, she's, her concern is like, you know, she's old. That happened four years ago. She's now eighty. Wait a sec, you just said the pap smear happened a few weeks ago. No, that was uh, four years ago. Four years ago. There's an issue as to the statute, too. And now that she's looking at the doctor, the doctor's telling her, ma'am, you know, your uterus is really... Yeah, yeah, but that has nothing to do with... That has nothing to do... I mean, that has nothing to do with the metal. If it's a metal that caused it... Now, if it turns out that the uterus would have been bleeding anyway, or could have been bleeding anyway, and you can't actually connect it, that makes the case even weaker. Talk to a, mal- a medical malpractice attorney, but I don't think there's much there. Statute issue, and then you have the connection, uh, and uh, you know, and, how, and what are the damages? I mean, the real heavy damages, which is what medical malpractice attorneys look for. This is Handle on the Law. Okay, uh, there goes Julie Slater in the KFI newsroom. <laughs> KFI in the sky helps get you there faster. Looking at it from the air, you can say that this street is good from here to there. To be able to fly and look at that and not have to sit in it. Get off the freeway, do this, and you'll get around the problem and on your way. Jeff Baugh, Michael Bryan. When you hear Eye in the Sky, you're listening to KFI. An iHeart Radio station. Maybe I got mine, but you'll all get yours. KFI AM 640, Bill Handel, Saturday morning. Handle on the law, marginal legal advice. Mary, you're up. Welcome to the show. 
is that me? Yes, it is. I'm assuming All you're right. Mary. Quick. Uh, partnership in the 80s. I brought out my partner's interest in property in the 90s. Never recorded a quick claim deed, which has since become lost. Had a problem catching up with the party partner. I did catch up with him. He's now, in essence, refusing to, to yeah. re- execute a new grant deed. Right. Uh, well, yeah, or a quick claim deed or a grant deed. It doesn't matter. So uh, let me ask you, you. You give someone money. Uh, to purchase a portion of a home, uh, writes a deed, right, to tell the world that you are an owner of that property and you don't record it. What proof uh, is there anywhere on the planet that you actually own any piece of that property other than you saying it? I'm the only one that's paid property taxes over the past decade. Okay, that's an argument, and uh, you can, but that doesn't mean you own the property. That could have been a loan. That could have been almost anything. The, he could argue. Why didn't I get in touch with him to, uh, to pay pay his share of property taxes if he owned anything of it? Yeah, but here, so you're saying you own the whole thing and you've paid property tax and uh, you never evicted him. Uh, you just sat there and paid no, property it's tax. It's not improved property. It's raw. Oh, land. It's just a raw land. Well, uh, there's an issue. There's a real issue because the bottom land. What's going to prevail? The fact there's no deed. And everything has to be in writing, and you have no writing. Now, you can argue that you paid property taxes, but if I'm going to screw you over, I'm going to say, yeah, that was a deal that we made, and if I ever sold the land, I would pay her property taxes back uh, with interest. I don't have a contract, but I don't have a contract, but that's our, our deal. That's what I would say if I'm trying to screw you over, Mary. Okay, so somebody's trying to screw me over. The point is, what do I do? Uh, I don't know what you can do. The point is, you have, uh, let me tell you the point. You have no proof you own the property at all. And anything, yeah, real, and my any, name's on the deed. You said that, wait a minute. As part oh. owner. As part owner, my name is still on the deed. Okay, so it was a quick claim deed for the other part. Right. So you, what you do is you have a partner. And that's it. You have a partner. And that even makes it worse for you because he can say the agreement was that Mary pays the taxes. Yeah, you're going to own for what? For to buy the property. When we sell it, we'll give it back to her. Mary has all the money. I didn't have any. And this was the agreement we made. Uh, Any one of a dozen reasons, Mary. He can't prove prove that. He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to. You have to prove. I'm asking for help, not for somebody to give me a hard time. Uh, no, I'm I'm helping you. I'm helping yeah, you. you. Sure are. I'm helping you. you tell me I have nowhere to go. That's correct. That's helping you. When you have nowhere to go, Mary, what do you do? And someone says you have nowhere to go, and you're calling a lawyer and getting free advice, bad advice, on a radio show. What What do you think is going to happen? Uh, I I don't know. Where do you go with that one? Hey. Uh, don't give me a hard time. Has she ever listened to the show before? As a matter of fact, this should be, I'm giving you a hard time on the law. God, that was a good one, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, hi, Mark. Mark, you're up. Hi. Yeah. I'm an anchor tenant. I'm an anchor tenant in uh uh, a home, and I have. One what does of that the mean? Roommates. What's a, what's an anchor tenant in a home? I, I'm the one that's responsible for paying the landlord rent. 
Oh, okay. So you're uh, that, that's an anchor. That's what. The, okay, didn't know that. That's uh, what they're referred to. So the deal is, you pay the rent. You collect it from everybody else. Correct. 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 And this is a home where you share the bedrooms. Correct. Okay. And how many other people do you have there? Three. All right. And who's on the lease? I am. By yourself. Okay. Correct. Okay. Got it. So let's move on. All right. Uh, So I have a a roommate that was in a car crash and uh, is expecting a settlement, and he owes me about 10000 in rent which I've been paying, and uh, he's about ready to get a settlement on uh, his insurance. And I wanted to find out uh, a sequence whether I should, is there any way I can attach the the settlement, or first should I do a three days or quit to make it, uh, you know, to have paperwork in the court system? Does he have a relate? Okay, let's start with, do you have a contract with him? Okay, and he's and he owes you rent, correct? Correct, because right. I've been paying but his rent. I get it, I get it, but it's but you are, and I don't know if you have the ability to do a three day notice uh, to pay because you don't own the property, so that's okay. an issue. I don't think so. But as far as putting a lien on it, uh, of course not. There's no way you don't even have a judgment. Okay, you don't even so have a do lawsuit. I... All right. So, so here's what um, you have to do: you have a lawsuit. Okay. I don't know if you can have a three-day notice to pay rent or quit. I don't think so. It's the landlord who decides who lives there and doesn't. Uh, And you just, all you're doing is collecting from someone. And that person isn't paying you. So it's just a straight contract. And you don't have the right to do a three-day notice to pay rent or quit. Because you have nothing to do with the property other than the contract you have with someone someone to pay you. And then you could take them to court and get a judgment and then take that judgment and try to collect, but you would never be able to put a lien on the settlement. So I think the bottom line is you are screwed, and then screwed again, and then screwed again. All right. Congratulations. We still have a couple minutes. Okay. Um, Michael. Hi, Michael. That's me. Yes, sir, it is you. What can I do for you? Give me a hard time, Bill. Listen, I had a... um... I had a car loan, and then I filed for bankruptcy. And the attorney, the bankruptcy attorney, said, "Do you want to reaffirm the loan on this car?" And it's such a god awful loan. I said, "No, we'll just, you know, let it go to the wayside." So we paid for a couple months, and then uh, I called him and said, "Look, I don't want to have this car anymore." All right, you paid for a couple of months after the bankruptcy, correct? Correct. You did reaffirm that loan. Well, my 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 attorney said. Just pay tell you if you want to keep the car. That's a different that's a different story. Whether you want to keep it or not. You pay the loan and they're not going they're not going to pick up the car if you keep on paying the loan. As if it's as if you didn't go bankrupt. But you reaffirmed that loan. No, I didn't reaffirm that. Yes, you did. Yes, you did by making that payment. Ah. You own them, but it doesn't matter. It's, uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, there's uh, there's actually no harm, no foul. Actually, it's all harm and all foul. Uh, but mm-hmm. it's uh, they still have a secured interest. So even going bankrupt or not going bankrupt, uh, they're still going to be able to own the car. And I think uh, if you hadn't reaffirmed, all they can do is take the car, I think. 
I'm not a, obviously a bankruptcy expert, but well, here, well, here's where it gets funny. Okay, um, I told, I called him and said I don't want the car anymore. Where can I drop it off? Because I have a new car now. Okay, I actually told the new car dealer, hey, can I drop this here? They go, no, we don't do that. Right. So I said I called him back and I says um, I don't want to pay anymore. Where can I drop this car off? They say, well, we don't do that anymore. What we do is the uh, repossessor will contact you and you'll meet up with him. Right. I said, okay, fine. It's been four months. Oh, good. So you some fishy's going on. Oh, it could be, but you have a car you're using for four months for free. I'm saving miles. That's right. Yeah, no, absolutely. They uh, they haven't picked up the car yet. Now, what you want to do to make yourself as clean as possible right. is put an email saying, "Hey guys, I'm telling you, I'm not paying you, and right. we and pick up the car." Right. And now, what'll happen is they'll sell the car. And they'll get X number of dollars, and you're going to have to pay the difference between those dollars and what you owe. But that's a totally different issue. But in the meantime, well, I've already I've already paid the value of the car uh, once and a half already. Doesn't matter. Was, is it is it a lease? No. But you so you've paid off the loan. Well, I didn't pay off the loan, but the value of the car... It doesn't matter. Value of the car doesn't matter. And you could uh, pay one and a half times a loan, which uh, is over the period of time. Uh, You have a car. How much do you owe on the car? Uh, About 11000 Okay. And how old the car? Uh, uh, How old? It's about uh, 2012. Okay. So what is it worth? If it's uh, you have, it's worth about four thousand. Okay, then you're going to owe, and they're going to, and they're going to sell it at auction, so they'll get two thousand, right. and you're going to owe nine thousand dollars. Ah, but in the no, yeah, I you don't get away from that. that. Yeah, no, 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 no free lunches. Now you will be able to drive. Here's the free lunch. You'll be able to drive it, and if they try to snag you for uh, payments, you say no. I offered, and then the entire issue uh, happens at the sale of the car. But they have to repossess it. And if they're not, that's their call. And then after a period of time, you can say you waived it. You know what? I gave you all the chance in the world. Go pick it up. All right. This is Handle on the Law. Julie Slater. This is Handle on the Law. Now, Julie Slater, there you are. All right. On the next Dark Secret Place, 9 September is a big day in North Korea. We'll talk about whatever provocation they launch or blow up or whatever. And does the tank have a future? Maybe, but probably not. Also, all of your Southern California food preparation and restaurant tips. The Dark Secret Place. Tonight at 10. KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. KFI AM 640 handle here. All right, back we go. Handle on the law. Hello, Roseanne. You're up. Thank you. Um, I'm calling because I just recently rescued my nephew, 27 years old, at a patent state mental hospital. In the meantime, my mother, who passed away a few months ago, uh, was his guardian. I am going through her assets and belongings now, and I've come across a stack of U.S. savings bonds in my nephew's name. How much is it? Um, face value about twenty five grand. Okay, so it's a chunk of money, and uh, they're old, right? They're old. Yeah, they may be worth. They may be worth more. Well, no, they'd be thirty year bonds probably. But all right, so they're worth money. I mean, serious money. Okay. So in the meantime, I go ahead when I rescue him. I get him applied for Social Security, Medi-Cal. He's mentally ill. I'm trying to get him into a group home. Last week, I send him to his father's in the valley. His father is on the streets in an RV. 
He now wants to live with his dad and move to another state, and he is bringing up these bonds. Yeah, Roseanne, how mentally, how, how mentally ill is he? He's mentally ill, schizophrenic. Okay, is able to function at all or totally no, non-functioning? He's not. No, he is not. Okay, so you want to know, uh, can dad get hold of them? Can dad get a hold of no, them? No, no, someone someone's going to have to, and they're in his name, someone has to go into court and get a guardianship. I because if there was a legal guardianship with mom, that's gone as soon as she dies. So uh, someone gets to go and file for guardianship. Would that be where I'd be the conservator? Uh, well, that's uh, you could. But that's a conservatorship. That's a very big deal. And if you're only talking about if you want to make all the decisions for him and it's going to be your call where he lives, what happens, uh, the Social Security, how it's spent, then you want a conservatorship. I see. OK, so a couple thousand dollars. And based on what you said, I would do it. Okay, so go to the courts. No, no, you you want to hire a lawyer for a conservatorship. Oh, okay. What yeah. type of a lawyer? Would uh, trust an estate lawyer, probably. Okay. All right. Uh, all right. You got it. I wanted to tell you about LifeLock. Uh, all right. It's been a couple of weeks since I told you about a major breach. This one was a doozy last week. Uh, the one of the bigger, biggest uh, credit reporting bureaus out there. There's three national bureaus announced a breach that affects 143 million Americans. 143 million. How about that? Half. Actually, it's almost everybody who has that kind of information. Your social security number, your date of birth. I mean, all of it. Personal data. It's just, it's crazy. And uh, credit card numbers for about 200,000 consumers. And by the way, I went on the internet. I'm one of them. So I am really grateful that I have LifeLock and have been a customer for years because what LifeLock does is protect me. If you have good protection, uh, in my opinion, LifeLock way at the top of the heap, they not only alert you, I mean, they monitor, they alert you so you know instantly. And if my credit is being compromised, they work to fix the problem. And if you've ever known anybody who's had an identity theft issue, it's a nightmare to unravel that. LifeLock works to fix that. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor every transaction at every business. But LifeLock can help you see, number one, more threats to your identity, help you work it out. I mean, I think it's the best out there. So to get 10% off your LifeLock membership, go to LifeLock.com promo code HANDLE. That's LifeLock.com promo code HANDLE or call 800-LIFELOCK. Say HANDLE, 800-LIFELOCK, and just say HANDLE. This is HANDLE on the Law. KFI AM 640. Bill Handel, uh, Saturday morning. And uh, coming up right after 11 o'clock, Leo Laporte. Or at 11 o'clock, Leo Laporte with the tech segment. And that's 11 to 2. And that's today and tomorrow. And then this afternoon, right after Leo at 2 o'clock, uh, it is uh, the Fork Report. Neil Savedra from 2 to 5. Mo Kelly, uh, every Saturday and Sunday, 6 to 8 o'clock. And then you have uh, Monique Marvez, who is on 8 to 10 o'clock tonight, followed by The Dark Secret Place, uh, Brian Suits, with all things military. I think I pretty well got it. And I did this by memory, incidentally, only because that lineup has been here for about two years, and usually I have to write it down. As a matter of fact, uh, I actually gave out the phone number for this program without having written it down. First time I actually did it from memory. Bill, how long have you been doing it? 
25 years. Uh, how long have you been giving you the phone numbers out? Uh, 25 years. Okay, excellent. This is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice, where I tell you you have absolutely no case. I don't know if you've heard or recognize the name uh, Leslie Van Houten. Go back to 1969. She was one of the Manson followers who committed one of the murders. And there were two murders uh, that took place over two nights. One was the Sharon Tate murder that took place in uh, here in Los Angeles. The other one was the next night where you had an owner of a supermarket chain, I think several supermarkets, uh, Lino and Rosemary LaBianca. That was the murder, all at uh, Manson's behest. That was the murder that Leslie Van Houten took place. Uh, she was involved, and I mean really involved. She stabbed Rosemary La Bianca several times, I mean, in the back, and just kept on stabbing her as she was screaming for her life. I mean, it's brutal. So she was convicted along with the other Manson followers and Charles Manson and given the death penalty. <coughs> so that was uh, 1969, and in 19, I think, 73, uh, Supreme Court of California overturned the death penalty because of some procedural constitutional issues. So all the death penalty death penalties were taken off the table and they all rolled into life imprisonment with the possibility of parole. And so here she is, those many years later, she's now 68 years old. She's been in front of the police, uh, the parole board, 21 times. This last time, which happened a couple of days ago, the parole board for the second time recommended parole. Last year, uh, they recommended, and the governor, Jerry Brown of California, who makes the final decision, said, no, not interested. In other words, he went against what the recommendation was, which he can do. Well, they said, again, parole, she's okay with it, citing the fact she's been a model prisoner. She got a bachelor's degree in prison. She has a master's degree in prison. Uh, She has uh, set up counseling uh, with the other inmates. I mean, uh, basically the best kind of prisoner you can get. Uh, And she wants out. The last time, Jerry Brown said she's still a risk. She's 68 years old. I mean, how much of a risk? And keep in mind, she just didn't go out and go crazy. She was 19 at the time. She was following Charles Manson. I don't think there's a lot of Charles Mansons out there. Uh, I don't know if uh, she has paid her dues. I would think so. Uh, I would let her out. But when it comes to this case... Uh, this is a a real sta- strange one. Uh, one of the gals who was also convicted with her uh, was, uh, uh, unfortunately, she got cancer and asked for a compassionate release. This was several years ago, months before she was dying or she was to die. And the parole board said no. She ended up dying in prison. I mean, this was brutal. So is the governor of California going to let Leslie Van Houten out of jail uh, for what? Nineteen sixty-eight, sixty-eight, nineteen, almost fifty years. I'm guessing, yes. Let's take some phone calls. Uh, Susie, hi, Susie. Hello. Yes, ma'am. I would like to know if there's any way my employer would be able to uh, have access to the records if I get a legal license for pups. No, probably not. 
uh, because a legal license for pot, well, first of all, you don't need a legal license for pot. It's recreational pot is now legal, so you can use it any way you want. Uh, so you don't need a, a medical marijuana license anymore. I don't even know if they're going to have them anymore uh, because you're now, it's legal to have them. And uh, do you want to tell your boss? No, you don't have to tell your boss. You know, why even bother telling uh, the boss you have a license if you don't need a license? Sweet. Okay, there you go. All right, good question, right? All right, uh, Michael. Hello, Michael. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hey, Bill. Uh, first of all, I want to say that I enjoy you every morning. You make me think. You make me laugh. You make me angry. Um, and I enjoy it every morning. Thank you. So, um, some marginal legal advice, please. Um I'm not an idiot. Um, my girlfriend and I were in a park about a week ago in the car having sex. Not near a school. There was no one else around. Okay. Did the cops? Did the cops grab you? Well, what happened is that yes. Well, because they came for another reason and then found us there. Okay. Now, they didn't. They didn't do anything, but they kept saying that this is totally illegal. All right. So, what, Michael? What's your question? Is it illegal? Yeah, I think it is. I think having sex in a uh, in a car is illegal. Uh, now, you can argue that you, they couldn't see you, and how did they know you were having sex? Right. Well, they came for another car. I know, I understand, but wait a sec. They came for another car. You're a call. You're in the car where they can see you having sex. Well, when they walk up to the car, yeah. But anybody can walk up to the car. Yeah, but, I mean, I, like I said, it wasn't in front of a school. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. If you're having sex in public, uh, that is illegal. And if if I walk up, to a car, and there you are, I glance in the window, and there you are having sex, uh, th- then I have seen it. <laughs> you never had sex in a car? Uh, only with myself. <laughs> this is Handle on the Law. Julie Slater in the KFI Newsroom. Julie. Hey, it's Neil Saavedra from The Fork Report. And if you've got an old car sitting in your driveway, well, there's not a damn thing I can do for you. But if you've got food leftovers, then my show's for you. one 877 report one 877 report one 877 report Oh, jeez. Yay! All right. Show off. The Fork Report with Neil Saavedra. Today at 2. KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. More stimulating talk. Bill Handel here on a Saturday morning. Welcome back. This is Handel on the Law, Marginal Legal Advice. Uh, Hello, Lance. Lance, you're up. Welcome. Hello. Hello. Yes. Um, I have a problem. Well, I live in a trailer park in Orange, uh, so that tells you a lot. But a neighbor of mine, I made a complaint about her barking dog. And she uh, filed a civil order of protection and included in that paperwork, she put down that I had been videotaping her two little girls. Have you? And we went to court. (laughs) No. Okay. We went to court and uh, then they decided they were going to move. 
So they threw the whole thing out. But what I want to do is sue her because on the court papers, it says that, and she perjured herself. Oh, Lance, nobody cares. Nobody cares, Lance. And you're going to sue her for what? I just said she has to come to court and uh, say that she lied about me. She's not going to lie about it. She's going to say, I saw you take pictures, Lance. No, because uh, the... uh, (laughs) <laughs> when she the called the when I called the police, they answer the first question they asked her was, "How long has this been going on? Why have you called us before?" So, <clears throat> how did she anyway, an, how did she answer, Lance? Uh, she lied. It doesn't matter. Right. How did she answer? To the judge. I'm sorry. You mean to the judge? Yeah, to the cops. How how, how did it, she it never, what did she it say? Never came up. Oh, Lance, 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 nobody, Lance, no one cares because I don't know what your damages are even. What what are your damages? What are you suing for? Well, because the neighbors here uh, think I'm a pedophile. Okay. How much is that worth? Uh, It doesn't matter. It does matter because you have to sue for something, Lance. (laughs) Well, I don't know. Okay, I'm well, then what are you going to say to the judge? What are you going to oh, I really don't know what I'm going to sue for. to do is, no, all I want him to do is read the paper. Yeah, well, no, you can't sue someone, so they, you can't sue. The cause of action is I want them to read the paper. That's not a cause of action, so, Lance. Well, okay. Yeah, you have no, you know, you make no sense. That's, that's my cause of action. I want her to read the paper. Summons. Really? Okay. Uh, hello, Tony. Hello, sir. Yes, yes sir. Okay. I uh, My car was damaged in a road construction area off the 91 freeway in Corona. When they were rebuilding some of the overpass bridges, the road surface changed abruptly from a stop sign where you had to proceed forward. And the uh, many, many cars impacted that place. You can see it in a photograph I took. My car was a sports car, stock sports car, and that impact, uh, I later came to find out as I got home, was uh, broke the radiator mounting bracket. Okay. The transmission fluid. And anyway, it was about a $2,000 repair. I've since made application to the city, which said I had to make it to the construction company, which I did, and then to their insurance company. And since January, they have uh, continually denied. Okay. Uh, so here's, here's okay, a couple of things. Uh, first of all, you take the construction company to small claims court. Yes. Okay, for the $2,000. You can also file a claim against the city, but they're going to deny it, and then you get to sue the city. And if you can get it from the construction company, that's where I'd go. Unless okay. I'd sue, uh, unless, uh, unless the construction company is saying it was the city's fault because uh, we just followed what the city told us to do. So uh, you you sent you sent uh, the letter to the city, right, saying that uh, you've messed up my car. Okay. You have. I'm assuming you've already done that. Uh, well, my initial uh, application for uh, the repair was sent to the city. Okay. They denied it. All right. They, they always deny it. So now now you can take the, now you can take them to court. And you want to sue uh-huh. both the city as well as the construction company. Uh-huh. All right, let them and let the judge figure it out. And you show pictures. I mean, you got it all. All right, Dave. Hello, Dave. You're up. Hi, Bill. Yeah. Um, early on, going through the divorce process, I was uh, 
uh, slap was uh, paying alimony, temporary alimony to, to my ex. And then what happened was is that then she got an attorney, and this attorney's racked up a big bill, and now the attorney's trying to say, I'm going to pay it. Well, the attorney can say that. It depends on the, what the judge says. It's the judge who's going to make that decision, Dave, not the attorney. The attorney can ask for anything. But isn't there any kind of, like, uh, standard to say, since I've given her alimony, she should No, 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 attorney? no. Not, there's no standard at all. I mean, there is uh, certainly uh, there is a formula they use, uh, but the judge has the absolute right to say you're going to pay X dollars in attorney's fees. There was a case in which uh, there was, uh, I was involved in a case where I was sued, and they won one tiny little part of it. Uh, it uh, we won 99%. There was just one little, we, we had a technical error that we did, and uh, so uh, the attorney, and under that error, uh, you're yeah. allowed attorney's fees. And uh, so I think we were hit with $4,000, which uh, later on it was totally dismissed for a bunch of reasons. But based on that $4,000, the attorney on the other side, and I'm not exaggerating, put in a bill of $930,000 in attorney's fees. Because he, uh, because the attorney is entitled to, quote, attorney's fees. And the judge, yeah. the judge just laughed and threw him out of the court, threw him out of the courtroom. You know? So it's, and seeing all this, it sure makes you think that the family law is kind of like completely unmanaged. That's correct. And so Not just family law. Of, Dave, Dave, you're you're being way too generous in saying family law. Yeah, I know. It's and law, it's law in general. It's the entire justice system, which in and of itself, using the word justice is hilarious. Well, but, but things like with criminal, they have things like real estate fraud, they have prosecutors attacking them. Yeah. I think family law, I think instead of a new health care plan. I think a president could try and lock down on family lock. That place is completely out of control. Uh, yeah. But again, back to my original point, what isn't in the criminal justice system or in the justice system in general or uh, the way lawyers charge and uh, the way juries. How about this one? Right. Uh, someone gets into an accident and you know gets hurt, bangs up, is banged up pretty good and gets uh, eight and a half or ten million dollars. Or $25 million, you know, losing a lake. I mean, is that a lot? You know, okay, $25 million. I mean, great. So you're not going to be able to work for the rest of your life. So that's two, three, four million dollars $4 million, pain and suffering. Okay, then you got something. But is that worth $80 million? And that's what juries do. This is Handle on the Law. Julie Slater. If you've been waiting for more stimulating talk... Here it is, KFI and iHeartRadio Station. This is KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk. Bill Handel here. Welcome back to Handle on the Law. Daniel. Yes. Yes, Daniel. All right, I recently got a mortgage, and um, I believe my real estate agent, well, I know he was basically friends with the lender. Uh, they're out of the same building, and uh, I believe the real estate agent was also working with the appraiser, and they were just... Well, usually getting... real estate agents do work with appraisers, by the way. That's not a problem. Yeah. And there but... are plenty of uh, plenty of real estate agents that work with loan companies. So, so far, 
uh, they're doing nothing nothing wrong. As a matter of fact, I would argue that I've gotten loans where they all did work together to help me get my best uh, to the best loan. Okay. All right. So, w- what is your question? Well, I was trying to switch to a different lender, and the real estate agent was telling me, "Oh, that it's too late." Um, Wait a minute. Wait, had you already gotten a loan? Did it fund? No. Okay, so uh, you had uh, been approved for the loan, or you were in the middle of applying for it? Yeah, I was approved, and I was in escrow already. Oh, you were already in? So you were in escrow? Yeah, but it wasn't funded. All right, well, okay. Well, it may have been too late, uh, where you would have paid a pretty healthy penalty one way or the other. But uh, what uh, what is your question? So the real estate agent was telling me that, uh, like, basically he can get the appraiser to sign off on things that weren't fixed. Just so we can move forward. Okay, that's like, okay. That's fraud. But um, uh, so what happened? So he was telling me, "Oh, it's too late. Uh, you're going to lose your deposit." And I was working with another lender, and he was telling me, "No, I can get this done in ten days, and we get it done." And he was telling me, "No, no, you can't do that." Anyways, uh, so they they got me at a higher interest. How rate much higher? How much higher? Uh, like a four point three seven five, I believe. And you had a, and when you went to someone else, uh, what was the loan amount? Uh, three point three seven five, I believe. Three point three seven five to a four point what seven five? Yeah, the, the other lender. All right, so I, basically a point and a half. Yeah. All right, and, um, and you didn't, I must, and you didn't shop it beforehand. Not really. Okay, and uh, just incidentally. Depending on uh, what the uh, lending agreement was, once uh, escrow does open, uh, then you pretty well uh, can lose your deposit. But what deposit did you make? You're borrowing the money, and you're not bar- you're not buying a house. You-, you couldn't have put money into the escrow company. They had me put a four thousand dollar deposit down to borrow money. Uh, no, the buyer or the seller. Okay, I don't quite understand. You are you're the seller. No, I'm the buyer. Okay, so uh, oh, and you put four thousand dollars out. Got it. And uh, you would lose it. In other words, you have to go hard uh, once escrow is open. It happens all the time, by the way, Daniel. That's what he was saying. Yeah, it does. And uh, depending on the uh, depending on the purchase agreement, happens constantly where you're going to lose your deposit, and four thousand dollars isn't. Uh, is no big deal in the world of uh, these kinds of uh, purchases. So you basically had to uh, – you're paying a point and a half more than uh, what uh, you should be paying. Yeah. Never yeah get another that. loan. Daniel, look for another loan. Okay. And, and then and just start shopping it, and hopefully you'll be okay on that. I don't think that's enough of a difference. I know that on the computer it says you think you have a predatory loan. I don't think that is a predatory loan. And it depends on your way? and it depends on your FICO score. So you would be able to get a three point three seven five percent interest rate loan uh, based on your FICO scores at this point. So you must have a phenomenal FICO score. Uh, I'm in the seventh. That's you're in the seventh. That's not bad. Uh, and I'm assuming you're working. Yeah. Okay. And uh, how much was the property? Two hundred five. Two hundred five thousand dollars. Yeah. And how much uh, do you earn? Uh, about a little over 48. Okay. Yeah. You know, you, you should have gotten it, I think, in the in the threes. Uh, yeah. You got screwed pretty well by your uh, real estate people. And you didn't shop. And that was uh, you not being real bright. 
and you have to assume whenever you do business with anybody, are they screwing you? And you have to do your due diligence, which you did not do, Daniel. So now you get to do your due diligence and you should be able to still have a loan in the threes. All right. All right. It's not being bright. But as far as working with a lender and working with an appraiser, quite often everybody works together to get the cheapest loan possible. Knowing a lender uh, and, uh, let's say, a real estate agent moves a lot of people through that, uh, through the lender, uh, that may be worth a quarter of a point or half a point right there. Uh, Grace. Hello, Grace. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi, Bill. Yes, ma'am. I have a two-part question. Yes, what does it take to have somebody's financial records audited? Uh, audited by whom? Uh, her sister. Wait a sec. Audited by her sister uh, is, uh, and I don't quite understand, is there a lawsuit going on? There may be. All right. Then you, uh, it, it's not a question of audited. You just subpoena uh, all of uh, the records. You subpoena the financials. And once you get hold of the financials, then you can hire an auditor. You can do anything you want with the financials, but there's a lawsuit. Uh, there, I'm assuming it involves uh, her finances. And uh, is what is it, embezzlement? Uh, what what exactly is the, the cause uh, of action here? It has to do with their parents' money. Oh, okay. Uh, inheritance that went south? Well, inheritance that hasn't started yet. The family is fighting before the parents die. <laughs> Okay, but uh, let me ask you: This is who's the uh, the trustee? I mean, it hasn't been it has not yet been distributed yet. Is there an, is it a will or is it a trust? Um, it's a trust. Okay, so who is the trustee? Um, the older sister. Okay, and has she distributed yet? No, because the okay. parents haven't died. All right, so what do you what uh what are you auditing? Well, the other sister is saying that she's skimming money off the parents. Then you, what you do is, wait, are the parents still around? Yes. Well, it's up to them to decide. Uh, the, the sister doesn't have a cause of action. Okay. She doesn't, it's not her to make that decision, to audit, it's the parents. Well, and it, the parents are fine. It's the sister that is. Well, how is she, so you're saying the trustee is skimming money out of the trust? Well, by buying groceries and taking care of the parents. And why is why would that be skimming money if out of the trust uh, she's taking care of the parents? Oh, she just thinks she's taking money from the parents, which isn't true, but that's what she, she is. Okay, I, I and I don't understand. So who wants to audit her financials? Her sister. Oh, that's going to be a tough one. Yeah, Grace, that's that's a real tough one. How much and how much money are we talking about that you're that she's ostensibly skimming out of the trust? Oh, not she's just saying you're taking it, you know. By all right, but wait a sec. The, it's not the trustee who's taking it; it's her sister who's taking it. Correct? It is the the executor of the trust. It's a, it's the trustee of the trust who's skimming the money. That's what her the younger sister is. All right. Well, you're going to have to if she's a beneficiary under the trust, she's going to have to hire a lawyer and subpoena the records. And it's going to cost her thousands of dollars. Yes. She wants to do it. She can do it. Right. She she simply finds a a trust and estate lawyer files the lawsuit saying that as a beneficiary, she's screwing over the beneficiary and is taking money out and uh, to name a new trustee. And uh, then to prove that she's skimming, yeah, you can do an audit, and but it's thousands of dollars. Mm, and if she's more pro- than forty, 
More than $40,000? No, probably not. Uh, it would probably be, if I had to guess, $5,000, but she has to pay for it. It's out of her pocket. Right. Well, she's threatening to do it. She can threaten all she wants, Grace. I yeah. can threaten to sue you at the end of this conversation. Now what? Right. Yeah, well, so she has to get an attorney. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. All right, what's, what's your other question, Grace? Well, let me ask one more question. Does she have to have proof to even get an attorney to? No, no, no. She can just file the lawsuit. Now, if she has no proof whatsoever, uh, then uh, the the person who's being audited, who's being sued, can come back and file a countersuit at the end for malicious prosecution. Oh, good. Yeah. Oh, okay, oh. is that it? Are we done? <laughs> what does it take to tap a phone? Uh, what is it? If a court order, okay, and good luck. Yeah, on a I civil on a civil matter, you're not going to get a phone tapped. Okay. All right. And what does it take to tap a phone? Yeah. It takes ten bucks from uh, Radio Shack. Uh, but then again, you know, you're sitting in jail talking to uh, uh, the. Yeah, no, you're trying to convince Bubba not to uh, tap you, so to speak. All right. This is Handle on the Law. And Julie Slater in the newsroom. Julie, what's the news? KFI, an iHeart radio station. This is KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. Bill Handle, Saturday morning. Welcome back to Handle on the Law, Marginal Legal Advice. Hey, Alfonso, welcome to Handle on the Law. Good morning, Bill. Yes, sir. Okay, so uh, this morning uh, I was using the public restroom at a, at a Carl's, uh, Carl's Jr. near LAX, and it seemed like they were cleaning the bathrooms because I saw a woman inside cleaning the women's bathroom, and they had uh, one uh, some obstacle blocking the entrance to the bathroom but there was a small gap where i could get in through and i didn't see a sign posted on the man's bathroom indicating that we're cleaning it so i went through the gap i went inside the bathroom and i inserted my pants and i started peeing and when that happened uh this woman came in and she opened the door and she asked me and she told me that i needed to get out of the restroom because they were trying to clean it and so i yelled at her and told her that she needed to close the door because i was trying to pee and i had my penis in my hand she refused, and I kept trying to argue with her that she needed to close the door because if I, if it had been the other way around, had I been a woman and had she been a man opening the door, then people would have been upset, and she probably wouldn't have done the same. And okay, so uh, so what's your question, Alfonso? So what can I do in regard? Right, well, what happened? Well, wait a second. What happened to you as a result of that? Uh, well, my you weren't arrested. Probably, you weren't arrested, were you? No, I wasn't arrested, okay. but I... Uh, so, so what's your question? So is there any legal uh, procedure, procedure that for what? I take against... What? what how, much, uh, how much money do you want for that? Well, just restitution. For restitution for, for what? Me. Restitution for what? For someone saying you're in the wrong bathroom, get out of here? No, because when I told her that, if I... 
if I had been a woman. Yeah, I understand. But if I, yeah, but if my grandmother had the right uh, plumbing, she'd be my grandfather. So what? The point is, had I been a woman, had I had no legs, had I been in a wheelchair, uh, had I had, uh, what if I was a double amputee? What if, uh, you know, it's just, uh, I mean, Alfonso, where are you going with this? What kind of restitution you want? It'd be much better if you got arrested. That would be terrific. There's a story. No. Okay, so there, there isn't any. No, no, there's not, nothing happened to you. It's, uh, yeah, I want restitution. Now, had he been arrested, then it gets to be fun. And the question then becomes exposing yourself uh, in front of a woman, and that's illegal. However, that's an intent crime, so arguing that it was an accident, I had no idea because I mistakenly went into the woman's bathroom. Okay, that's one. Uh, so therefore, there was no intent. And then the argument, which is really fun, is I self-identify as a woman. Penis or no penis. Uh, That is my self-identification. And then so that gets uh, kind of interesting based on, well, certainly California, because California is uh, crazy. And so, uh, but no. Gee, I was told to stop it, and I said no. And Come on. Really? Hey, Kevin, you're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hello. Yes. I was in in Wisconsin with a 37-foot RV, a tow truck picked me up. Dropped me off the back of his tow truck onto his tow truck, not once but twice, bending my chassis, bending the drivetrain, destroying my pop out, basically totaling the RV. We were told when we left Chicago that it was okay to drive. We broke down in Texas. We were told in Texas the RV was totaled. We should have never driven it. All right, and so, your question? Is the, tow, is, is the tow truck driver responsible for dropping our, our RV? And yeah, well, yeah. of course he is, but uh, let's, uh, you live where, California? That happened in Wisconsin. Okay, no, I understand, but you, you live in California, right? Yes, sir. All right, so I'm assuming you have tons of insurance, correct? Yes, sir. Then just go to your insurance company. Let them we deal with they, it. We went to the insurance company, and the tow truck company denied that it happened. Doesn't matter. That's their problem, uh, because okay. the insurance company is going to pay you if it has to. And uh, then they can go after them. They can sue them. They can do whatever. I mean, it's in the end, uh, it's as if you had totaled it, and you still have insurance, Kevin. Okay, but the insurance company gave us a check for the repairs that were done on the RV that weren't actually done on the RV. Well, that, that you, the- then you tell them that. Then you call them up and say these repairs weren't made. Give them their check back. Okay. Uh, you, what you can't what you can't do is lie about getting money for stuff that wasn't made, uh, wasn't done. But just uh, you know, be honest that you're going to get the whole thing paid for anyway, no matter what happened, because that's why God invented insurance. No problem. All okay. Right, thank you very much. All right, you got it. That's why. See, a lot of people don't understand what insurance is, and it's uh, well, gee, they're suing me. Will my insurance cover? Yeah. Yeah, part of it is an attorney representation. Uh, The other part of it is the other guy doesn't uh, pay up, even if it's his fault. If he has no insurance, yours will. That's assuming you have uh, uninsured, underinsured uh, insurance. That's really important. You don't have that, you're screwed, Uh, especially if the other side doesn't have insurance or you're at fault. You're done. All right, Scott, you're up. Welcome. Scott, you're up. Yes. I was involved in an auto accident. I was separated from my wife at the time. She was not living in my household, and we were not legally separated, but we were going through divorce proceedings. I reached a settlement uh, for the auto accident, and we are still currently going through divorce and still currently separated. 
does she have a right to claim any of that money? Well, for, uh, Scott, it, Scott, you could still be married and she doesn't have a, claim, a right to claim. That's not income. Okay. That's pain and suffering. It's not considered income. How much money did you get, Scott? Uh, half a million dollars. Show her the check and say, ha. Really? Yeah. Yours, it's your oh, money. How bad? How badly were you banged up to get half a million dollars, Scott? Uh, I was pretty banged up. Uh, five herniated discs. Ooh. Uh, still going through physical therapy, and you know. Yeah, uh, you're a mess. Oh, yeah, you're a mess. Yeah. In order to get five hundred thousand uh, dollars, you've got to be a real mess. And it's all about pain and suffering, and it's not about you making any income, and it's not about it's not about your ex. Uh, she gets nothing. It's not. It's all yours, no matter what. Okay, so so you how old? How old? No, she can't touch it. How old is she, Scott? Forty. Forty. Uh, how old are you? Forty-seven. Find an eighteen-year-old and uh, have them meet and say, "This is my new chippy, and this is what I'm doing with my money that you don't get any of it." Oh, that would give me so much joy. See, there you are. I'm telling you, this is why you call me for legal advice. This is legal advice. You don't get that from most attorneys, but damn it, you certainly get it here. This is Handle on the Law.